I'm Sean McCormick, and this is Optimal Performance. I think that the powers to be and our government and the elitists, I think they like people living in a body that gives them shame. Of course. Because when you live in shame, you're easy to control. That is why we celebrate 400-pound models on the cover of magazines. Right. Hey, happy is healthy, and she has a smile on her face, and it's like, no. She's going to die of coronary artery disease. I think one of the biggest downfalls in society is that a lot of people feel isolated. Mm. They don't feel connected to other people. Sure, you might have a wife or you might have like a best friend or whatever that you touch base with once in a while. But I don't think that that's giving the fulfillment of the tribal need. You need to find a tribe of people. Over planning is a form of procrastination. In the military, we call it the good idea fairy. It's easy to sit there and have a million good ideas, but until you take some action to make those ideas actually come to fruition, it's just a, it's a form of procrastination. Okay, is everyone ready for some strong language and some strong opinions? You're in the right place. That everyone is Greg Anderson. He's the host of the Endless Endeavor podcast. And after spending 10 years as a special operations and paramilitary person, he did 14 overseas deployments. He pursued a career in law enforcement here in my home state of Washington in Seattle. In 2020, he spoke out against the policies that the department was trying to enforce around COVID and it ultimately cost him his job. He recorded a video from inside his squad car that was essentially the first time that anyone in law enforcement stood up against the mandates. And here in Washington state, there were a lot of them. And from there, his personal brand exploded he also runs jiu-jitsu gyms and CrossFit gyms, and his podcast is incredible. This is the type of guy that you want to hear wisdom from. If you're a fan of Jocko Willink or Andy Stump from Black Rifle Coffee, you're going to really enjoy this episode. This is a much longer episode than I typically do. It's actually double the length of the usual typical hour that I do, but we just couldn't stop. We were just riffing, and it really covered a lot of ground. We recorded this at his house, and we talk about parenting, we talk about discipline, we talk about preparation and fear, and we really kibosh some of the narratives that we are just supposed to assume now, supposed to accept in our current modern world, and I think you're going to really love this episode. If you are a fan of these longer form episodes that are more conversational, you know, people chatting about ideas rather than products or services, let me know. I want to give you what you want. And if you like this style of episode, I want to hear about it. So you can just email me, sean at seanmccormick.com and let me know because uh, I love the feedback or hit me up on Instagram at real Sean McCormick. One more announcement before we dive into the episode is... My website is being updated. My newsletter is also resurrected like a phoenix from the ashes. It's called What's Up Wednesday, and it covers five key points every single Wednesday. One, a health headline, something that you should know about from the health sphere. Two, a powerful quote and a prompt that you can think about that will help you grow. Three is a link to that week's episode of the podcast. Number four is a conspiracy, a conspiracy that maybe you should know about. And number five is a special offer on a product that I love, that I tested, and that I use very regularly. And usually these discounts are huge because I want you to have the same access to the products that I love that I get the most out of. So if you would enjoy getting an email from me, a short, punchy email every single Wednesday, just say, I'm in, and send me an email at sean, seanmccormick.com, and I'll add you to the list. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, 
Greg Anderson. This is kind of exciting because I'm usually interviewing people for my show. Right. And now I just get to sit here and chill out and, yeah. and kind of let you lead the dance. Well, and, and there's no, you know, I didn't give you any heads up on what questions I was going to ask or anything. So it's, you're coming in, you know, uh, highly improvisational, which I dig. Well, bro, that's how I run my podcast too. Even yeah. when I have guests, I will... I'll look into them. Obviously, if I'm going to invite them on my show, I need to know what they're about or why I'm asking them to be a guest. But at the end of the day, I want it just to flow and be a conversation between two people because I think that is what people that are consuming podcasts are looking for. Yeah. They're on long commutes. They're driving to work. They're, you know, they're working out of the gym and they want to just hear authentic conversation because yeah. that is missing in our society. You know, absolutely right. Well, and, and, and for that sort of extemporaneous response and to feel like you're in on the conversation, you know, to that. And, and that's why Rogan is the goat is because it goes long. It can take little tangents. You can go kind of out and come yes. back. It's three yep. hours. You know, it's not perfect. I'm going to have to Google X, ex, Xter, say that again. Extemporaneous. Yeah. yeah I'll be Googling <laughs> that. I'm not even going to pretend that I know what that means, but, uh, yeah, dude, that's, and that's what people want, you yeah. know, and sometimes I'll have like a basic kind of overview of what, what I want the podcast to be, but then I, I let it be organic. And if it takes a left turn and we go down some rabbit holes, I actually think that's fun, you know? Well, good, because I have a couple of rabbit holes that we're going to go down today. I like it. Let, let's just start at, you know, I, I want to be, I want to be really upfront, you know, like when, when I saw your video from inside the squad car, um, and you were saying what? so many of us were thinking, which is I, I, I'm not going to do this. I, I'll let you tell it because you know, you're going to, you're probably going to be new to, to, to my audience. So maybe, maybe give that sort of as the inflection point to start off our conversation where you said what you said and, and, and drew a line. Of course. And let me just take it back a few years before that, because the whole reason that I got into law enforcement is because I wanted something to fill the void of being a soldier. And I was in the military and uh, paramilitary units inside of the Special Operations Command for about a decade. Through that decade, the, the GWAT, the Global War on Terror, was raging. And I got 14 deployments. And uh, I always say this as a little caveat. With the units I was serving with, our deployments were 90 days. So we were in and out, basically. And so, mate, oh, that guy got 14 deployments. Yeah, but they were all very short deployments. And I always say that because I know a lot of the guys, like the 101st and the 82nd guys, they were doing year to year and a half deployments. And so, like, those are different things. But through those deployments as a young man, I learned a lot about myself. I learned that you have to be willing to believe in something and you have to be willing to fight for it and you have to be willing to die for it. Now, I'm not saying all the stuff that the, the you know, you want to unpack all the political aspects of why we were over there and what we were doing. The older I get, the more I think, what the fuck was that all about? You know what I mean? And most of my community shares those thoughts. But that's a macrocosm. On a microcosm, boots on the ground, I'm on the streets of Ramadi fighting another man. I have to be willing to be at peace with myself and I have to be willing to understand that man, I'm here doing something that I believe in and it's probably going to cost me everything. You do that for 10 years and this might sound kind of morbid, but you, you inevitably become comfortable with the thought of dying at a young age for what you believe is important. 
and again, it's, it's not what George Bush was saying. It was the men to my left and my right. Like these are my teammates and we're here and we're here on our own accord and I'm willing to give everything for this. And that was my life for a decade. So fast forward to 2009, uh, I found out my wife is pregnant and I was actually deployed to Iraq when I found that out. And she said, I can't do this with you gone. Cause I was usually gone six to nine months a year. It was always turn and burn for deployments. And I agreed with her. I said, that's not a healthy, you know, that's not conducive to raising a healthy family. So let's, let's put this in the rearview mirror and let's start looking for what's next. And we decided that, you know what, law enforcement is something that is a very natural transition for a lot of soldiers. And I think it'll still give me that, like that camaraderie. I'll still be on the team. I'll still be doing missions, you know, all the stuff that you think is important, which if you talk to me about it now, <laughs> you, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But I ended up working for a couple different agencies over the course of the next decade. And, you know, I worked down in Los Angeles and then the video that you were talking about is after I moved back up here to the Pacific Northwest, I was an officer for the Port of Seattle Police Department. And to tell you the truth, I enjoyed a lot of aspects of that department. You know, what they did to me ended up like kind of casting shade on our relationship and how I view them. But the truth is, while I was an officer, I enjoyed most aspects of working for that department. Now, I'll also say I did not enjoy most of the aspects of just the day-to-day job. The day-to-day job of a patrol officer, man, it's hard on you. You're dealing with bullshit day in and day out. You're dealing with thefts and car prowls and drugs and just wears on you. But regardless of that, and we can get into all that, when the COVID stuff started popping off, I saw police officers nationwide doing things that I was inferring as a violation of their constitutional rights. And again, if I spent a decade of my life for Iraqi freedom, uh, enduring freedom, like they always pushed that what we're doing is to help these people on the other side of the world establish freedom because freedom and democracy is everything. And then when I saw our own freedom and our own democracy being tarnished on our own soil, man, I had a problem with that. But I wasn't unique. 100% of police officers that I knew felt the same thing. Every single officer, when we're in the lunchroom and we're watching the television and we're watching, uh, remember that guy getting arrested for surfing? Yeah. Yeah. And then there was a, you know, they did an undercover operation on a jujitsu academy that was training and they went in there and like, hey, we want to train. And it's like, okay, now you're really messing with my people. Yeah. Because I've been in, I mean, I was already a black belt for seven years or something by the time COVID kicked off. And I'm very immersed in the jujitsu culture. And then the thing, the straw that broke the camel's back for me is they did another undercover operation on some young Hispanic ladies in Texas that were doing hair and nails out of their own house. And I'm like, okay, nobody's speaking up about this. And police officers are now in all kinds. I mean, you go into somebody's house and arrest them for doing hair and nails. I it pull it just let's just trample on the entire constitution. And we're supposed to be better than that. We're supposed to be the first line of defense between citizens and their constitutional rights. I don't serve the government. I serve the people. Mm. Every police officer out there needs to look in the mirror and ask themselves that question. Sure, you may take orders from your captain or your sergeant, but who are you supposed to be serving? And it's the citizens of the state in which you are commissioned under. And so I just sat in my patrol car and I saw those ladies be arrested in their own house. And I said, you know what? I need to say something. 
And if you remember the video, I didn't go too crazy on the COVID stuff because if I did, and I have my own personal opinions, which shocking three years later, it, it all turned out to be true. Yeah. It was created in a lab and the yeah. vaccine doesn't work. Right. But uh, regardless of all that, I knew at that moment I had to just speak and keep it inside of my wheelhouse as a police officer. So in the video, I said, listen, I'm not here to discuss the validity of COVID, how dangerous it is, because those are all moot points when it comes to our authority as police officers to take enforcement actions against citizens that are exercising their constitutional rights. And, uh, you know, I spoke to that for a long time. And because my fear, you know, there's always a an ebb and flow between the relationship of the public and the profession of law enforcement and things happen, you know, Rodney King, George Floyd, and there's, it's, it's always, there's a pendulum and it swings back and forth to where a lot of times police officers are the enemy. Whereas after nine 11, first responders were the heroes. And then there's everything in between, right? I knew that the way that cops were behaving was going to swing the pendulum so far in the direction where people hated police officers again. And it's like, dude, that's my fucking profession. I drive around in a patrol car all day and I actually enjoy serving the public and being a good cop. And now I'm going to have everybody looking at me like I'm a piece of shit. Everybody looking at my partners like they're all pieces of shit. And the truth is most police officers are pretty good people. And I spoke out against it and I said, this is, this is not what we do. This is not who we are. You need to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, what's more important, supporting people's constitutional rights or your paycheck? Mm. And and if you come to the conclusion that it's your paycheck, like, man, that's a very backwards way of thinking. And you should probably reassess being a police officer. The next day I got put on administrative leave because you can't say that, you know, my, my, my commander even said to me verbatim, he goes, Greg, I agree with everything you're saying. And it was a good message but we can't, we can't say that. Mm. And it's like, well, I can say whatever the fuck I want because yeah. I fought for it for a decade. Mm. And, uh, you know, I ultimately through a long process cause everything in the government moves like pond water. I ultimately ended up getting fired for that. And, uh, my life took a drastic change and it's weird how the universe works, but it's the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, I own a gym that blew up. I started a podcast that blew up And, uh, you know, I always, I always tell people this and it's not a, it's not to boast or brag, but it's to give people hope and to understand that, man, you can step outside of the norm. If your day to day job, if your nine to five is taking your soul and, and you're not feeling like fulfilled as a human man, try something new because I decided, because they told me, they said, if you take the video down, we'll let you keep your job. But if the video stays up, we're going to terminate you. So they tried to basically give me an ultimatum. That doesn't fucking work with me very well. (laughs) Because in the video I said, our paychecks do not come before supporting the citizens. Mm. And I said, I said that in the video. Now you want me to take it down. Right. And so you can go, you can turn left and start a new career at 40 years old and you can find happiness and you can find things that serve you. And I didn't realize how hard the profession of policing was on me until I walked away. Mm. And I've had people tell me like, dude, you're getting, you look younger. <laughs> like, well, no. You know, cause it's a real thing. It's, it's just cortisol rushing through your veins for 12 hours a day. And, uh, the gym is doing very well. The podcast is doing very well emotionally, financially, physically, 
I'm in the best place that I've been in my adult life. And it's because I put that shit in the rearview mirror. I want to dig into that a little bit because I think I speak for a lot of people when I say that when I saw that video, it was really kind of the first time that someone spoke out in that way. It was, it was a, for me, it was an inflection point in the whole narrative, the way it was the first time that somebody stepped up and called bullshit. Yeah. It was the first time and, and not, and not just, you know, some, you know, tinfoil hat dude that, you know, you know, uh, screaming at the top of a hill in a park. It's like, this is a stand-up person with these credentials and these experience. Who's a good person who, you know, is, is a, is a civil servant. And they're saying what, what all of us are thinking. Yes. And that, when that went viral and then I realized that, Oh, this guy's in Seattle. Like, Oh damn. I'm like, I want to talk to that guy right up the street. Right. Yeah. Just like, I, I want to, I want to dig into that because I think the psychology around that decision to say, I want to be able to like, look at myself in the mirror. I want to be able to, to sleep at night knowing that I did the right thing, that I said the right thing, that I spoke up for my values, that I stood up against, I mean, tyranny in a very real way. And in that process, uh, after that, after that video just blew up and went viral, then other people started to stand up. Mm-hmm. Other people of uh, of higher order who are who were leaders in their field started to stand up. And so I want to dig in a little bit into the psychology there because so many people, people you know, people I know, said, "Well, if I want to keep my job, I gotta keep my mouth shut." If I want to keep my job, I've got to get jabbed and jabbed and jabbed and jabbed yeah. and jabbed if I want to feed my family. And and I think that a lot of people kind of can't wrap their brain around that sort of change in their life. But the psychology around that decision that you made is super interesting to me because you, you said that it was sort of informed by your experience as a, a member of the military. Yes. Do you think it's possible or do you think that people who didn't have that same experience that you had in the military have the ability or what do you think is keeping them from standing up and saying, I don't feel good about this. I don't want to live like this. I'm not going to do what violates in my heart. What what do you think is the distinction between people that just go with it and the people that call bullshit? So I've thought about this for countless hours and uh, at the end of the day, I think people are either controlled by fear or they can control their fear. And for me, I learned to control my fear in the military. Now that was a path that worked for me. And I'm not saying that that's the only path that works. You know, there's, there's plenty of guys and gals out there that do very, very scary things that are apart from military service. But if you allow fear to paralyze you or fear to scare you into behaving in a way that is not congruent with your morals or your values, man, you're allowing that fear to control you mm-hmm. and you're allowing that fear to dictate your, your choices and your future. And the thing is, man, I'm nothing like, I don't feel like I'm anything special, you know, like, like my friend Andy Stump always says in my previous profession, I was average at best, mm-hmm. you know, but again, I came to terms with what confronting extreme violence looks and feels like. And I ultimately got comfortable with it. And I got comfortable to the point that I, I, you know, almost reckless at times, whereas like, I don't fucking care if I die on this mission, I'm going to be like, I'm in the fight and I don't, I don't, you know, I might even be 
there's always we always say there's a fine line between hard and stupid, right? And, and there's been times when I've encroached on stupid, but at the same time, it allowed me to understand some very fundamental things about this existence and this life is that it is very finite. We're here and then we are not here. And that moment where you are no longer here can happen in an instance. Because most people don't see, you know, have friends that are 21 years old getting shot in the face. And now, oh, you know, fuck, he's gone now. And uh, through some very hard experiences, I also think it grounded me into what reality of this planet is. And so at a young age, I've always I've always held those beliefs that it's like, you know what? I'm here until I'm not here. And while I'm here. I'm going to stand on my own two feet and I'm going to, I'm going to preach and practice what I believe. If it ruffles other people's feathers, I don't give a fuck because this is such a finite journey Mm. that I need to be living authentically for who I am. And man, I can't tell you how many people that, that I would even consider friends that were allowing that fear to dictate their decisions. And you know, for instance, I had one friend that was a firefighter and he was like, I have to get jabbed because if I don't, I can't feed my family, you know? Whereas I look at that situation from a, a completely 180 degree opposite point of view. My point of view is, man, if I get jabbed because my boss says that's the only way he's going to give me money, what what lesson, in, lesson am I teaching my children? Right. What I'm teaching them is... I will compromise my morals and I will compromise my values if somebody gives me enough money. Mm. So it was very easy for me. You know, I'll fucking starve to death in the woods before I'll get jabbed. And I will go out there and I will do that in a manner that is difficult and I'll probably be cold and I'll be hungry and it's not going to be enjoyable, but I know that I'm being authentically me. Mm. And and man, if, if more people would be willing to do that, we wouldn't be where we're at. Yeah. This week's episode is brought to you by BioPro Plus. I cannot tell you how much this product has changed my life and so many of the lives of my clients and you listeners. It's also saved my butt during 75 hard. BioPro Plus is the faster, easier, and safer non-synthetic alternative to painful, expensive, and invasive anti-aging and hormone treatments. Before you do TRT, before you start taking a bunch of herbs that may not make you feel the way that you want to feel, you should try this. You can go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP for $30 off. You know, you know that a sponsor is a hit when people who have purchased it reach out to me and say, holy cow, Sean, I tried this and it's amazing. It's blowing my mind. It makes me better at everything that I do. I love having sponsors like this that really make a difference in people's lives. And this product is, it's absolutely incredible. It's growth factors and amino acids that will help you improve your hormones, become better at everything that you want to do. So bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP for $30 off. I think that there's a, there's another element to that is, is some folks don't have enough trust in their ability to survive. Maybe they haven't been tested. Uh, maybe they haven't gone through failures yeah, uh, yeah. to be able to say like, man, well, uh, you know, how many, how many, uh, firefighters do you know that are also journeyman electrician or, you know, do leather working yeah. or other things. But that idea, it's a similar story. My best friend, um, he 
he said, hey, I, I got to get it, Sean. You've been talking against the jabs from day one and the masks and the, you know, all of it. But he's like, I, I can't feed my family. I, I, I got I to do it. And I feel so bad for those guys because they don't maybe have that sort of entrepreneurial drive or spirit or ability uh, or, or experience to be able to say, okay, it's it's worth it for me to stand up for my morals. I'm going to make it work. Yes. I, I'm going to survive. Well, and this is what a lot of people don't understand. And if you, if you take, if your listeners take anything away from this episode, it should be this. And I tell my children this because we're living in uncertain times, right? The economy could collapse tomorrow. All right. The grid could go down. And this isn't me being like, oh, I'm negative doomsday prepper. I'm just looking at the the battle space we are occupying and saying, hey, these are possibilities. Yeah. Right. So this is what I tell my children, because I don't, you can't live in a place of fear because things might go bad. Right. So this is what I tell people. If things go bad, like let's, let's literally say tomorrow is worst case scenario. The grid goes down, the economy collapses and the world that we know it becomes third world chaos. Right now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but if it were to happen, I'm here to tell you right now. You will build relationships with people mm-hmm. that have never been more important. You will love the people to your right and your left more than you knew possible. The The amount of drive and importance that you're going to feel from small things is unlike anything you've ever imagined. And the truth is, man, I think that's almost a more meaningful and a more special human existence. When I have to rely on the man to my left and my right for literally everything, and he does for me as well, we're bonded in a way that most people don't understand, most people never experience. And so I tell my kids this. I said, listen, if if things ever go to complete shit and chaos, just know we're our family is going to be closer than we've ever been. Our friends are going to be tighter than we've ever been. A meal is going to be more than it's ever meant. And even though while you may be cold at times, you may be hungry at times, you may be scared at times, just know that it's the yin and yang of life. Things will be very hard on one hand. They'll be much harder. But then on the other hand, they're going to be much more rewarding and you're going to feel more love. You're going to feel more connection. Whereas the society we currently occupy, it's a lot more based in neutrality. Mm. You don't have those crazy ups and those crazy downs. Man, I think those crazy ups and downs are actually probably a more meaningful existence. So I'm not afraid. If it goes there, I know what that's going to look like and I know what that's going to mean. I was in Ramadi and Fallujah in 04 and 05 and I saw what just absolute chaos looks and feels like. And at times it's kind of fun. It's kind of exciting. And it, it, it's this roller coaster of emotions. Now, the other side of it is if we get the right people in office, we can grow our economy strong. We become respected on the, the world stage again, and I can grow my businesses and I can become financially wealthy and I can raise my children in an environment that is safe. You know what? That future excites me too. That yeah. doesn't sound too bad, right? Yeah. So now that I've found comfort in whatever the future looks like, man, you're a free man. That's everything. It, it, that's everything, right? It, it's the mindset that I'm going to make it work. Yes. No, no matter what happens, right? Scenario A, you know, um, economic collapse, 
grid goes down. You know, not just toilet paper shortage or baby formula shortage, (laughs) but like everything shortage. And you've got to, you know, go go back in time to a to a you know sort of pre-industrial sort of existence. You make it work. You make it work. Because what is the alternative, right? Exactly. And not only do you make it work, man, I'm going to rise to the top. Yeah. I'll be the warlord of Lake Stevens, <laughs> you know, but in all seriousness, I know I'll make it work. Yeah. And that's why it doesn't, there's nothing intimidating about that, but there's a lot of people out there that know that they can't make it work. Right. And if they know that they can't make it work, then what do they got to do? Man, I got to play by these rules. I got to do what I say. I got to really hold it all together because if, if, if I lose what I have right now, I'm fucked. And then they're living in a constant state of fear and then fear makes them a slave. Mm. And it's, you know, I've been saying it for years on my show. Like we, we have replaced the whip with, uh, a, a, a bi-monthly or a bi-weekly paycheck and benefits. Many people are living in a slave status. Yeah. Now it might not be, you know, traditionally of what, what you think of when you think of the word slave, but at the same time, you're not expressing yourself to who you are and you're building somebody else's empire. If you're building somebody else's empire, man, you're, you're, you're putting yourself in that slave role and it's inevitable. You are either building your empire or somebody else's empire. Right. You either have a plan or you're part of somebody else's. And, uh, I'm not necessarily saying that's always a bad thing because there are plenty leadership and, and being a follower. People always say like, when you hear the word follower, there's like negative connotations to it, right? Man, following the right people is powerful. If you're not ready to step up and be a leader, be a follower, but be a follower with the right, the right team, the right organization. So I'm not necessarily saying like building somebody else's empire is bad, but if you're part, if you, if you're being a follower of somebody that is a powerful person that is, that is leading you through moral and in, in, in an integrous manner, then, then that's great. Right. But most people aren't right now. Right. Most people are serving these massive corporations, these massive governments, and they're serving this elite class of people that doesn't give a fuck about you. Yeah. You know, and that's the truth. And and that's one reason it made me, it made it easy for me to stand up because, you know, not to make it super political, I, I lean right but I don't really like either of the parties anymore, but I consider myself to hold more of a, just a conservative value, right? I don't give a fuck what Jay Ensley tells me to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's nothing that that guy can do or say that intimidates me. Yeah. And it come to find out, it sounds like the governor's office was the one that told my, that reached out to my agency and said, that video has to come down right now. That doesn't surprise me. Now that's, that's also secondhand information. I've yeah. never confirmed it. So if someone's listening, say, that's bullshit. That's not what happened. Maybe they're right. I'm not saying that is what happened. I was told that after the fact. But it's a moot point. Regardless, no other man has the ability to intimidate me. I don't care if it's the governor. I don't care if it's the chief of police. I don't care if it's the president. Our president can't even string together two sentences. So, like, I'm going to do what I feel is the right path. And if it's incongruent with other people, then that's probably going to be their problem. Yeah. I I think think that there's kind of... um um, as you're talking about, you know, sort of developing this, this discipline of having trust in yourself that things are going to work out, that you are going to make things work out, that you are in control of your own destiny. And I think there's probably a couple of different ways that people can get there. And one 
uh, you know, if you are on, if, you know, if you've, if you've had a W-2 since you were 14 years old and that's the way that you feed your family and that's the way you live your life, it's probably pretty tough to try to begin to think about what that would look like to exist outside of that sort of income and day-to-day. And I think there's probably kind of two ways. Either one, you cut bait and you go start a business or you work on contracts or you become, you know, an entrepreneur, which is which was sort of my my inflection point was when at 29 when I decided that I don't want to sell advertising anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to open an obscure float center, this wellness center and, you know, give people an opportunity to trip out naturally in a float tank and then everything sort of like t- tendrils went out from there. That's one way. It's just like pull the ripcord, get the fuck out, and then figure it out. But for everyone else who's maybe not either equipped or experienced or doesn't have the chops to do that, if we're talking about discipline and having trust in yourself and trust in your own ability, what are some ways that people can begin to develop that mental resilience to begin to sort of exercise that that thought frame that like, okay, I can get control of my life. I can get control of my body. I will be okay. I will make it work if things go sideways. Man, I feel like you're asking a bunch of questions (laughs) that I think about all the time, right? And so, um, are you familiar with Andy Frisella? Yes. Uh, Okay, so he's become a friend of mine. I'm, doing, I'm I'm just really quick there. So I made it 36 days through 75 hard. Okay. And then I sprained the shit out of my ankle. <laughs> yeah. Like destroyed it. Couldn't put it down. So now I had to I had to take a break. I had to restart. So now I'm on day 18. There you go. Yeah. Well, it it took me three tries to finish 75 hard. <laughs> the first two times I failed on day 45, same day. Oh. And uh, one was an injury, and then one was a a severe severe headache to where I was like vomiting. And I couldn't even look like the light blinking on my VCR felt like a, like an ice pick. It was one of those headaches. It was just almost indescribable. And I had eight ounces of water left. And my wife's like, you have to finish your water. You're on day 45. You're, you know, you're, you're over halfway there. And I was like, I can't, I'm out, you know, but, uh, Andy talks about, and I can show you in my bedroom. I have this big visualization board mm-hmm. that I look at every day. And, and I didn't know about all this stuff when I was a police officer or when I got fired. You know, like I said, the reason I was comfortable walking away is just because I wasn't controlled through fear. But at that time, I didn't know what I was going to do to build my future. And uh, but to answer your question specifically, what do people need to do to be able to start that path? My personal opinion is it starts with a strong physical body. You have to be able to be inside of a body that functions, a body that is capable, a body that is capable from getting you from point A to point B. But more importantly than being in a body that works for the capable side of it, I think when you're inside of a body that works and a body that you have earned and a body that you have put work and time and discipline in, when you look at that yourself in the mirror, you say, I like that person. Mm. And bro, I mean, we could do a whole nother episode of me leaving the military and when I hated myself and when I would put my fucking gun in my mouth and and like I'd reached my wits end and I was going to end it and I just couldn't fucking bear being me anymore. So I've been on this wide, I've felt all sides of the spectrum to where I've hated myself 
And now for the first time in my life since leaving the profession of law enforcement, I'm comfortable and I'm honest when I tell you, I love the person that I am right now. And when you look at yourself in the mirror and you're proud of who that person is, and I'm not saying you have to have a six pack. I'm not saying, you know, loving yourself, you could be 300 pounds because you've neglected yourself for the last 10 years. You get on the path, you start 75 hard, you start a diet and you look at yourself in the mirror next week and man, I'm down to fucking 290. You can love that person because that person is someone that's on the path to being better. And I think once people figure out a way to get on the path to being better, that's where self-love starts. Mm. Where self-love starts is where now you can say, you know what, because I feel comfortable in who I am and I love who I am, it's empowering. Through that empowerment is what gives people the courage to be able to step out onto new journeys. And it can be a physical journey. It can be an entrepreneurial journey. It can even be like, you know what, I'm going to read this many books this year, whatever it is, you're, you're more, you're more likely to set goals and then attack those goals because you've started to develop discipline in your daily habits. And, uh, I, I refuse to believe that you can be the best version of yourself if you neglect your physical body. I want to drill down on that because I think that's a really, really important point. And it's, you know, it's at the heart of, of this podcast, which is optimal performance. And you can't fake a, uh, you can't fake a fit body. No, you can't, you can't, you could supplement, you could fast, you could go carnivore, you could make all these choices that, that are, make you feel more vitality that make you feel, you know, stronger, but you can't fake fitness. Fitness takes time. Yes. It takes repetition. It takes sweat. It takes being sore. And that, I think, is such a critical, critical point. A, because it it, it looks back at this, this primal connection that we have in this human experience, that we have these bodies, right? We can't exist outside of them. So we have these bodies and in order to develop the mental resilience to have trust in yourself that you're going to be okay if things go sideways, a, a, I love that you, it's like, it's a fit body. That's where you start because in order to lose 10 pounds, if you're 300 pounds, or in order to be able to pick up your kids when you're 40 years old, as they grow heavier and you, you know, in order to develop that resilience physically, it, it, it takes it takes a super commitment. And then from there, it goes so many different ways, yes. right? Well, and the thing is, like, I almost feel bad for people that have never experienced an elite level of fitness. Because it's not about taking your shirt off on Instagram and looking fucking ripped, you know? And it's like, okay, do I do that sometimes when I'm feeling, if, I, if I've dieted hard for a couple months and I look good and it's like, yeah, of course I do, right? Like being proud of what you look like, that's okay too. Yeah. But it's not all rooted in vanity. It's rooted in just the way that your body navigates through planet earth. And I mean, I fucking see it all the time. People walk up a flight of stairs or, or they're at the mall and they look like they're about ready to die. And it's like, when you reach an elite level of fitness and then you dip below that, you know, something's off, right? You feel it. Right. right? And it's like, okay, man, I got to dial it in here. I got to, I got to, I got to tighten my diet up. I better be hitting some, I got to start hitting wind sprints on the track more often, whatever you, whatever your fitness tools are, you know, when you drop below that 
And it's kind of like the little bells and whistles are going off. It's like, Hey, get back there. Mm-hmm. Because when you are an elite level of fitness, your day to day life feels effortless. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If yeah. I have to walk all day, okay, whatever, you know, we're, we're walking today. If I ride my bike, if I go out with my, just like you said, some people it's difficult to pick their kids up. Yeah. And it's like, man, what you were doing by not making yourself uh, live inside of a capable body is you're diminishing your quality of life. Right. You know? And, uh, I mean, I don't know what kind of tinfoil hats you wear, but I wear, I wear a lot of them. I, 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 we should, we should go uh, punch for punch because, <laughs> Oh, because no, this, it, <laughs> I go deep. Man. And you know, like people used to say like, Oh, conspiracy theorists. But I think that the powers to be and our government and the elitists, I think they like people living in a body that gives them shame. Of course. Because when you live in shame, you're easy to control. That is why we celebrate 400 pound models on the cover of magazines. Right. Hey, happy is healthy. And she has a smile on her face. And it's like, no, she's going to die of coronary artery disease. And, and, and on that path, she's going to make big pharma lots and lots of money yeah. on all the medications. But most importantly, she might be on the cover of a magazine in a bikini being morbidly obese. She might log into her Twitter and there's 10,000 comments saying, I'm so proud of you. You're showing strength. But all of this stuff is a facade because when she looks at herself in the mirror, she knows, man, I'm not the best version of myself. Yeah. And that is keeping her down. And so it's, it's actually sad. We shouldn't celebrate weakness. We shouldn't celebrate being metabolically sick. We shouldn't celebrate foods that are poisoning our children. We should be authentic and honest about that stuff. And that is the things that like, we can only see it so many times before you have to say, this is no longer just incompetence. This is by design. I mean, you saw the food recommendations come out from our fucking government a couple weeks ago where lucky charms were rated above scrambled eggs and steak. (laughs) (laughs) You you know what I mean? Right. I mean, I have a fucking degree in uh, exercise physiology and took nutrition classes and stuff. And I tell everybody, you didn't have to go to any of that schooling to know that that's complete bullshit. Yeah. Like I could put a bowl of lucky charms and a bowl of scrambled eggs in front of my seven year old and say, what do you think is going to be a better choice for your body? Right. Everybody knows that. But the thing is, apparently everybody doesn't there. There must be a certain percentage of society that are just so far removed from understanding health and nutrition and fitness that they see that. And they're like, yeah, the government says it's, this is lucky charms are a good choice. And to me, that's fucking egregious. And it's sad too, because like what, what they're doing is they're keeping people that are already down and they're pushing them further down. Yeah. And, and, and it's almost, it, it's fucking criminal is what it is. They, they, they would prefer us. And this just makes sense. They would prefer us fat and dumb and unhealthy because it's good for their bottom line. Exactly. It, and a stupefied, distracted, unhealthy, unfit, population is way less likely to step up and rebel way less likely to to call bullshit. You know, this is the bread and circuses, you know, obviously I love sports, but you know, give them bread and circuses. No, exactly. Dude. Distract them. And and keeping people perpetually sick is, is a new fucking business. Yes. Well, you know, and, and and to go even further and maybe we don't need to spend too much time on this, but you know, surgeries for children for gender, um, make, make them, what what was the, what was the figure? I think it was like something like 700,000 or maybe it's like $7 million for, 
uh, for gender reassignment surgery. You're you're then on, you're you're a part of the the hospital system and meds and hormones and surgeries forever, which is statistically point. proven to fuck people up in the long run. Right. You know, and and most people that want to detransition, they're now fucked up. You know, uh, I mean, bro, we can go down that rabbit yeah. hole because this this is the truth, right? When men like us speak out against that, they try and call us bigots, racists, homophobes, transphobes. It's like, dude, I, almost everybody I know doesn't care where you put your dick. Yeah. Doesn't care who, who, what other human you want to have cause you an orgasm. Like nobody fucking cares anymore. Yeah. Right. You want to be gay. You want to, you want to be straight, but dress like a woman at night. Like I can sit here and say, okay, I think that's weird. Right. Like that's bizarre. Like I, I don't behave like that. That doesn't mean I hate that person because I don't have time or energy to hate. Right. right? You go do you and I'm going to go do me. We'll probably train jujitsu together and get along fine. I have a transgender student in my jujitsu studio. And you you know what? Nobody even knows. Now my my students are going to be like, who is that? (laughs) Which one is that? You know? But nobody even knows. You know why? Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't come up. Because we're on the mats and we're training jujitsu. Right. And nobody, nobody on the mats wants to know who you're going to go home and fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And, and even like, there's plenty of attractive ladies that train jujitsu with me. There's no sexual energy. Like it's so far removed from what we're doing there. Yeah. Right. But they want to make any time that you have an opinion that's against that stuff. It's that we hate those people. We're against those people. And it's all part of the narrative of divide and conquer. Right. right? You, you go to you. I'm going to go to me. But as soon as you say, I'm going to cut the dick off of a five-year-old boy because I saw him in his sister's dress last weekend. Bitch, we got a problem. That, yeah. You know what I mean? Like my, I, I was, me and my sister is two siblings in my family. I was three and she was six, right? Like, and she would do, she would put makeup on me sometimes because I was a three-year-old boy. I didn't have any say in what was happening. <laughs> I just did, you know? And maybe I thought it was fun. I don't fucking know. I was a little tiny boy. If that kind of stuff happens now, there's a certain percentage of people that are like, you see him? He's actually a her. Yeah. He's doing, he's doing feminine things. Let's start giving him hormones. Like the fact that people think that's real, you know what it tells me? It just lets me know how far we've fallen out of reality as a culture and as a society. Cause I've lived all over the world. You go live in the Middle East, you go to North Africa, people aren't doing this shit. You know why they're not doing this shit? Because when they have to go get a pail of water to cook with out of the Nile River, a fucking dinosaur is waiting to eat them. They have real problems in their life right now on a daily basis. And they are facing adversity and they are facing struggle. We don't face that anymore. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people, like guys like us, we know, we understand that that adversity and that struggle, that's part of the human experience. And since it may not be put, it may not exist out of inside of our society, we put it in front of ourselves. You put it in front of yourself with your ice tub or a hard workout or doing some hard rounds on the mats with tough dudes, right? People that haven't figured out that adversity is part of life and aren't figuring out a way to put it in front of them, man, they let other things dictate it. Yeah. And now they get all wrapped up around a bunch of bullshit that doesn't even matter. Yeah, worried about the wrong things. And I'm telling you, man, it, to go back to the fucking, the, the zombie apocalypse, 
if that happens, there won't be one person that's wondering if they're a man or a woman. They're going to be wondering where their fucking next meal is coming from. Right. And you will see all this bullshit end in five seconds. And, and that's what's fucking interesting about it is that people create all these problems because we don't have problems that are real enough, you know? So let's go, let's go back to that point. I, know, right? I like to ramble if you can't tell. Oh, it's perfect, <laughs> dude. It's perfect. It's perfect. So, so we've got this idea that in order to start of, to develop self-discipline so that you can prepare yourself and, and not just for the zombie apocalypse, but just for life, right? Yeah, for life. Because tragedy is going to happen. You're going to lose your loved ones. You, you know, it's, it's coming. One way, shape, or form, yeah. it's coming. So we so we start with developing a strong body, having having a a vessel to move through the world. Um, what what's then the next maybe step in 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 the chain of of transitions of people to go from you know maybe soft and scared and in fear and and not ready to sort of like take ownership of their life to move into someone who is who is formidable and focused and has control of their life. We start with a fit body. What's downstream from that? So there's a couple things that are downstream from that. I think, I think there's two things that are probably almost on an equal, on an equal level. And that is again, the, the sense of being proud of who you are and having belief in yourself and, and starting to understand who you are on, on, apart from the physical body, right? Through meditation, breath work, visualization, the things that you can do that enrich your spirit. But the biggest thing that I find that you can do to enrich your spirit is that we're tribal creatures by nature. I think one of the biggest downfalls in society is that a lot of people feel isolated. Mm. They don't feel connected to other people. Sure, you might have a wife or you might have like a best friend or whatever that you touch base with once in a while but I don't think that that's giving the fulfillment of the tribal need. You need to find a tribe of people. Now, here's the caveat on that, is that I honestly believe that the circle that you keep is doing one of two things. It's lifting you up or it's tearing you down. You know, you you have the must be nice people, and I, I seen them. When I started kind of standing on my own two feet and doing my own thing and becoming, uh, independently wealthy and my business is blowing up. There's some of the must be nice people out there. Sure. You know, get cut the must be nice people out of your life. Fucking yesterday. Yeah. Find a group of people. And I've been very fortunate at this, but at the same time, it didn't just happen by accident. Find a group of people where you give a mutual value exchange. So the friends and family, and and here's the thing. Family is not blood. I've learned that over the last couple of years as well. There's plenty of people with family members that are in that must be nice circle that are trying to keep you down. Cut those motherfuckers out too, man. And find a group of friends that when you are around them, they inspire you to be better. And then you should be giving them that same reward by inspiring them to be better. Everybody, you should find a group of people that everybody brings different strengths and weaknesses to the table and you can lean on each other. And bro, I'll show you my phone right now. We have a group of friends. There's like five or six couples. So we have this big group thread and it's called the tribe. Mm -hmm. And bro, we keep each other accountable. We're there for each other. But I look at those men and women in our tribe and I say, man, look at, look at, look how fucking good Gordon is at this. Look how fucking good Mike is at this. I want to get on that level. Mm -hmm. And then in turn, they look at me and see the things that I'm good at and the strengths that I hold and they feel the same thing. 
you know, and, and again, it comes down to fucking data and math. Like you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. And so if you surround yourself with a bunch of people that are complaining and that are fucking lazy and are lacking discipline, bro, let's just fucking get drunk and, and watch the game, you know? And, and I'm as guilty as anyone. Sometimes I do that, right? But I also understand that everything is a trade-off. And so I don't allow myself to get pulled that direction for too far. You have to understand that the people in your left or your right, regardless of how independent of a thinker you are or, or how, much, how, many, how many leadership traits you think you hold, those other people are influencing you. Yeah. And like my dad used to tell me as a kid, bro, remember, if you lay down with dogs, you wake up with fleas. <laughs> right? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And it's like, inevitably, that's true. If you're constantly around people that are on a negative vibration, that vibration starts to literally physically affect your body and that negativity will start to manifest in you. Are you ready to unlock the true potential of your body and mind? Introducing Analema Coherent Water, a revolutionary new way to improve your health and well-being. Analema has been clinically proven to significantly increase ATP levels, the mitochondrial energy of your body. ATP is directly responsible for powering the majority of cellular processes in all living beings. Increased ATP levels result in improved athletic performance, enhanced cognitive function, improved cardiovascular health, and positively affect almost every area of human health. Imagine having more energy, a healthier gut, a clearer mind, and a youthful body with Analema water. In case you missed it, go back to episode 402 where I talk with Mario Brinovich from Analema Water and we discuss how this works, how you can use it in your home, and Analema has just introduced a whole house unit that you can put in your home and bring coherence to all of the water in your home. All you got to do is go to coherent-water.com and use code OPP for a discount. You know, we were all kids where one kid would start to like talk a certain way or had a certain catchphrase and then it sort of catches on, you know, sort of like, you know, you know, some little thing or gesture where like, oh yeah, you know, Jimmy does this one thing and it's so funny and everybody sort of catches on. You, you, you are, you, it's subconscious, right? You don't think about it too much when it's happening, but then you start to realize like, no, I kind of do share that opinion of this person who... Um, you know, thinking this certain way, like I, I can't help but be exposed to that stuff. And I want to drill down a little bit on that as well, because when you have a group of people around you that are of high caliber, um, you're, you get in check a little bit, hundred percent, right? Not only are you built up and said, Hey, you know, you know, uh, uh, I want to be like that person, or I want to, I want to improve myself like my buddy here on the, on the group chat. But in addition you know, your humor gets tested, mm-hmm. your, your metal gets tested. The things that you say sort of off the cuff don't pass the sniff test and you get shit for it. Like you, you can't, you can't help but test your, your ability and, and understand who you are more when you're around people who don't let you get away with shit. Yes. Right? No, being checked. If, if people love and care about you and they think that you're acting in a manner that's incongruent with the vibe or that is in a manner that's actually not going to serve you, they call you out on that. Like a a great example is uh, one of the wives from the tribe. Her name's Rachel. And I'm in the process of expanding my gym and, and we're doing a lot of things and they're, they're built 
many businesses. They're very savvy in business building and they are very financially successful. And she said, Hey, you know, and I'm not going to give specifics because there's some people involved and whatnot, but she basically said like, Hey, I know you're trying to be nice here and you're trying to do this and you're trying to do that. But from a business perspective, it's a really fucking bad choice. And here's why. Mm. And I can tell you, we were sitting in her kitchen and, and there was a, my initial reaction was a little defensive. Sure. It's like, why are you calling me out like this? You know? But then once you exercise a little emotional intelligence, which is a great book, by the way. Yes. Um, you can say, okay, she's, she's not saying this to be mean to me. She's literally saying this to make me kind of detach emotionally and kind of evaluate some of the, some of the decisions I'm making with the intent of me being better off in the long run. And like, if your friends are always just telling you things that feel good and make you happy, it's like, they're probably not being authentic. And so like, on one hand, I sit here and say like, hey, surround yourself with positive people, surround yourself with on a high vibration. But on the, on that same note, surround yourself with people that are going to be truthful and yeah. authentic with you. Yeah, they're going to, they're, that are going to give you tough love when you need it. Yeah. They care about you in, enough to say, hey man, like, what are you doing? Like this, this doesn't make sense. And bro, I can tell you the truth is like, I feel pretty comfortable being that person at 42 years old for the first time, maybe, maybe ever, you know, even in special operations and as a police officer, officer and shit, like there was always a part of me that was apprehensive of telling people things that would hurt their feelings because like it just, at the end of the day, that interaction doesn't feel good. But I feel like I've arrived at a place where it's like, it's, it's not about how they feel in this instance. It's about where am I coming from? Where's my message coming from? And if it's rooted in things that I think are good for them, maybe we need to let them hear this, Mm, you know? Yeah. And that's a leadership thing too, you know? It's, it's tough. It's tough too, because I think probably listeners of your podcast and listeners of my podcast are very likely the sort of shiny star in the group. Right. Mm-hmm. If they're the one that is, you know, you know, doing lots of CrossFit or eating right and they are at the they're they're at the highest of those five in their group, right? They're they're the they're the best looking, they're the most, you know, they're the most wealthy, they're the most fit, they're the most disciplined. And it's harder when you are the shiny star in the group to reach outside of that core that's telling you what you want to hear that look up to you that think you're great and you can do no wrong it's tough to especially as an adult to make new friends but to extend yourself out of that group where you're sort of in an echo chamber yeah and challenge yourself to up level and find new ways to push yourself and find new people that are that inspire you yeah and and i'll tell you this like when you're, if you're one of those people that is looking for that or maybe seeking that, just know opportunities arise. And, and for me, more than, uh, more than anything, it's just a vibe. Like if I feel like, dude, this, I don't know what it is about this dude, but there's something about him I like, you know, fucking A said, dude, let's, why don't you, why don't you and your wife come over and we'll barbecue, you know? Like, dude, I was at the doctor's office. And I was in the doctor, I was in the fucking room and he goes, bro, I fucking like you, man. He goes, you want to grab dinner sometime? He's one of my best friends now. That's awesome. We built a fucking, we bought property together in Granite Falls and we're partners together. And it's like, it all happened. And like, we had some mutual friends and some past like 
experiences and whatnot. So like I knew who he was, he knew who I was, but we'd never really met in person. And in a moment, the vibe was there and I was like, man, this guy's fucking cool. And he felt the same thing. And now we're business partners and it's like opportunities present themselves every fucking day. Yeah. You just have to be willing to fucking step out there and grab it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it goes with relationships too, just like it does with every other aspect of life. Yeah, have the guts. Have the guts to to, to reach out to somebody and say, hey, do you want to you go get a cup of coffee? you want to go for a walk? you want to go work out together? Like that's, that especially for guys, that's a hard thing to do because you kind of caught up and stuff. You know? I'm not I'm not gay. I'm not going to go have coffee with a man, <laughs> right. you know? It, it's weird that the... the you want to go ride bikes? Yeah, you know? like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> The American culture has, I feel like we've, we, we've swung the pendulum so far from where like in the fifties masculinity was just so, so fucking like rewarded and so fucking celebrated that, uh, you know, if you, if you were a kid that's like, dude, I don't, I don't want to go work out. I want to go play my guitar. I want to read, read poetry. Like, oh, you're a fucking faggot. You know what I mean? It's like people are being harsh to people that want to express themselves through the arts or through music or through painting or through gardening. And it's a balance, man. Yeah. And I feel like the pendulum swung so far the other way now that now masculinity is no longer celebrated. All the other stuff is. And have you read the book of five rings? No. So it's uh, the, the, the most accomplished samurai Morimoto Masashi who went undefeated as a samurai and, in samurai duels, just so listeners are clear, someone lives and someone dies, yeah. right? So I forget how many duels that he had, but he killed dozens and dozens and dozens of people. And his book, he talks about that. He's like, in order to be the best warrior, you have to know and you, you like you have to understand what, what rage and hate feels like. But you can't be balanced with those emotions unless you know what peace and love and happiness feels like. So in order to be the best samurai, sure, you have to train and you have to fight and you have to be part of the martial arts. But to offset that, to be complete as a warrior, you then have to go home and write poetry. You then have to go home and grow a flower garden. And I remember I was reading this book and I was like, man, if I told my ranger platoon, hey, you know what? I'm not going to go drink beer and pick fights with college students tonight. (laughs) I'm going to go grow flowers. I would have been ostracized. And I honestly think that's why so many soldiers are coming home with PTSD and all fucked up because we were all in on the violence. We were all in on the fucking rage and the, the masculine side of war. But we weren't all in with like counterbalancing that with love and happiness and music and dance and like things that every fucking culture in human civilization have partaken in, you know? And so it's, it's interesting how the American culture has found a very hard time balancing that. It feels like the pendulum swings from one side to the other. It's like, no, we do need to be fit. We do need to be tough. We need, we do need to be able to fuck people up in a fight. Like I want, I I tell all parents, get your kids in jujitsu, get your kids in wrestling, understand physical violence and become proficient in it. But then the other side of that is, man, get them into music, have them play the piano, teach them about, meditating at sunrise and doing breath work. And it's like, because I'm learning all this stuff at 40 years old. I fucking wish I knew it when I was 10. Yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. 
Well, it's 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 the duality, right? If you picture the yin yang, it's it's mostly black with a little bit of white. It's mostly white with a little yes. bit of black. It is it is it is the you know the universal law of duality. You know, there is light and dark. There is up and down. There is inside and outside. And and you have to go. You have to be willing to experience all of it in order to be a complete person. Well, and I think the Eastern cultures have always accepted that is part of the the human existence. You know, if you look at like Buddhism or the samurais or or really like, you know, Taoism. Sikhs, yeah, and in like any a lot of the eastern cultures they seem to embrace that. Yeah. Whereas the western culture is like let's focus on the good, let's focus on what makes us happy, let's focus on what feels good. And sure, that's all good on one hand, but then we get exactly what we get. We yeah. get very very out of balance. Right. So maybe let's put a let's put a cap on this this idea of of de- developing the self. You know, I mean, we're talking about you know classic personal development stuff and preparing yourself for uh, for turmoil later. Being being able to stand on your own two feet. We've got you know building your body into a place where it can carry you where you want to go. We've got cultivation of community that can call you on your shit and support you and enrich your life. Maybe let's, before we sort of change directions, is there a, is there a third thing that immediately kind of comes to mind there? Well, one thing that I say that I, one thing that I'll say to wrap this portion of it up is I think just having an overall preparedness mindset is what puts people at peace. You know, we already touched on how people are, a lot of people are controlled by fear, but I feel like preparedness is the antidote to fear. So you can build that strong body. You can build a strong group of people. You can be immersed in positive culture. You can have people that, that we check and balance each other. And all that is the foundation of living in a state of preparedness. A lot of people take living in a state of preparedness as some doomsday prepper wacko that has a conics box buried out in the woods that's ready to fucking blow out in a moment's notice. And it's like, to tell you the truth, if I had enough money to do yeah, that, I'd yeah. probably, I'd probably have that. Right. Oh, yeah. We need those guys too. But the, tr- but like, are you familiar with Mike Glover? Do you know who he is? Uh-huh. He, he founded a company called Fieldcraft Survival. Uh-huh. And I'm actually partnering with him here in the near future. He's one of the coolest human beings that I've developed a friendship with over the last few years. And that is his whole like his whole mission and, and what he preaches is preparedness. And it's not preparedness of like, oh no, the government's going to take over and we're going to be living under tyranny. Like that's one thing that might happen, but his whole thing of preparedness is like, man, if somebody gets injured in front of you, do you know how to treat their injury? Do you know how to stop the bleed? Do you know how to use a firearm? If, if you are in a, in an encounter where somebody's trying to hurt your family and you know, people, oh, I hate guns. Well, you won't hate guns if someone's trying to kill you and that tool is available to you. And if that scenario presented itself, do you know how to implement that as a tool? If you are starving, do you know how to hunt? Do you know how to fish? Or have you taken the time to, to pre-plan? You know, if you have five years of food in a Connex box buried up in the mountains, people, you're probably not too worried if the supply chain crashes, right? right? And so the more steps that you take not to live in a state of fear, it actually does the opposite. If you become a a person that feels like you were prepared to go back to what we talked about, I'm prepared 
if society continues to go in a good direction or if it absolutely just falls apart, if you can find peace in either one of those scenarios through the preparation that you've put your mind, your body, and your circle of friends through, that's the ticket to being free. Mm, and and that. after that, bro, then you're just like, I'm, a, I'm along for the ride. Yeah. Let's see where this goes. Yeah. You I know? Like, I like that. I like that. And, and each of us, you know, can do that in very small ways. Of right? course. You can prepare by getting your nutrition dialed in and cooking food on Sunday for the week. 100%. You can prepare yourself by making your bed in the morning. You can prepare yourself by, you know, having rituals with your family that, that, um, that instill values with them. I mean, it, 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 you know, the, the Connex box or the bug out bag, I've got six months of food, not five years of food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Get my shit together. But there, there, we can all find, you know, I think I want to invite everybody to, to think about how they can prepare, not just for the week, but for their life, for their old age. You know, how do you prepare financially by saving and investing wisely? You know, there's, there's so many little things that we can each do that are going to give us peace of mind that are forward thinking. hundred percent, bro. And, and, you know, I think we overthink it a little bit and then we get distracted and then we just end up watching two hours of Netflix and not doing shit. Yeah. Right. Well, and I say this often on my show that over planning is a form of procrastination. Uh You know what I'm saying? Because in the, in the military, we call it the good idea fairy. It's easy to sit there and have a million good ideas, but until you take some action to make those ideas actually come to fruition, it's just a, it's a form of procrastination, right? you know, but I like what you said about preparing financially too. And that's a perfect example of how preparedness sets you free because bro, I can tell you in, in my darkest days, when I was looking down the barrel of my gun, a big part of the contributing stress to my life was financial. I'm going into debt. I can't afford this house. I can't pay my bills. And then it gets to the point where I was like, what kind of a father are you? You're struggling to raise your own children. There's all kinds of men that are affording families of five and you can't make it work. That's because you're a failure, you know? And it's like being unprepared does the opposite. It Mm. eats away at your soul and it's a darkness that's hard to shake. So think about that. Like, if you are, are stressed out over finances at the end of the day, it's because you didn't prepare properly, you know? And, you know, people are chasing their pension and social security. And it's like, man, take the time to build some financial stability that you're in charge of, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that's really important, especially now as, you know, banks are folding and fuck, I know, man, like, <laughs> it's headline after headline. You said something a moment ago about, you know, these, these sorts of activities and these actions that we take and personal responsibility that are freeing. And one of my questions that I have here on my phone is how do you define freedom? Um, for me, I think freedom just comes down to living in a manner that's congruent with your heart. Now, I know people always say, well, what is it? What is, you don't really feel anything in your heart. I've said that before and people like gig me on it. And it's like, I'm not saying the organ that pumps blood has a a second set of emotions. What I'm saying is there's a feeling inside of you and it can, you can call it your soul, your spirit. But I think most people know what they want and maybe they don't have an intimate understanding of it. 
but when they're not living in congruent with what they want, they feel it. Mm. Right. Yeah. And that is why so many people, are, their bodies are ruined. Their, their veins are pumping cortisol all day. They're, they're at work sitting all day instead of walking. Um, I heard a statistic the other day that most American adults are indoors 95% of their life. So think about that. And I'm sure they include uh, being in your car, probably being indoors, you know, with that statistic. But it's like, dude, we're not interacting with nature. People know when things just feel off, you know? And that's why these other these other countries aren't experiencing massive depression and massive anxiety because they're still living the human experience. And so like, man, I think what sets people free is when they can say, you know what? I'm happy with who I am and I'm happy with where I'm at. You know, now we can talk about all the aspects of freedom in in regards to government tyranny. Uh, There was a reason why Braveheart was my favorite movie when it came out when I was 14 because other men throughout history have always tried to strip people of their freedom. But what are they really stripping them of? They're stripping them of their ability to live in a manner that is congruent with their heart. Mm. You're going to live the way I want you to live, not the way that you want to live. So it is all the same in the foundation of it. Right. And, uh, that's, that's just one of the biggest flaws of humanity is men always want to impose their way of thinking, their way of living on other people And then what does that inevitably lead to? It leads to war. It leads to bloodshed. It leads to violence. And then the cycle just fucking, it's like on repeat since, since the beginning of time. Right. And so, and it will always be that way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it's, that's not going away. Well, and that's what I always tell people when they say like, bro, you really think America will collapse? Are you fucking on drugs? And it's like, I'm not saying America is going to collapse in my lifetime. I'm not saying it's going to collapse next week. But read a fucking book if yeah. you don't think empires fall. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and what happens right before they do, right? What? All of this kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Turn on your television Today. and watch the news for one hour. Today. That's what happens before empires fall. Right. You know? I, I wanted to add something to the to the idea of, of the heart because there we know now, they've done some research and they've found that our heart actually does have neuronal cells. There we go. Right. And, and your stomach. And your stomach, yeah. right? No, they're, I mean, they're starting to find that the gut microbiome is literally responsible for your emotions. Your personality. And your personality. Yeah. And so it's like, man, the, the mind, body, and spirit, you know, we, we say those three things as if they're separate entities. But while I do believe that those three things exist, they're also all intertwined intimately as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So this idea that, you know, um, thinking with your gut or thinking with your heart and, and, and the way that the way, the way that I talk about it with my coaching clients is your, whatever, whatever sort of mental narratives are going on inside your head about who you are, who you aren't, or who you can be, you know, the heart, which has its own neuro, uh, neuronal cells, which is actually electromagnetically, electro, um, electro, electrically more charged than your brain. There's actually more charge happening out of your brain. It's like it's like a 10x. And your heart doesn't have an ego. Your heart doesn't have to filter through these, these things that you've told yourself and your upbringing and your trauma. Your heart has this ability to actually make decisions and to guide your judgment. And this kind of goes back to, you know, living with yourself and being happy with who, happy with who you are. Because if you're a smart person, and, and I work with lots of people like this, 
who, if you're a really smart person and you're a leader or you make a bunch of money or you're a powerful person that has a lot of autonomy, you can convince yourself of anything. Yeah. You can just bullshit yourself all day and convince yourself like, it's okay that I'm 40 pounds overweight. It's okay that I acted unscrupulously in this thing. It's okay that my kids don't talk to me. Yeah. It's, it's okay that I'm working 80 hours a week and had a heart attack two years ago. You can really justify so many things by using your brain because it's it's built into your ego and your subconscious mind which is responsible for 95% of the decisions that you make. You, your, your subconscious is actually driving the bus. When you, th- when you tap into your heart, and there's, you know, there's ways to do this with EFT, with tapping, with breath work, you know, with, with um, uh, mind-heart integration and, and self-hypnosis to really kind of tap into your heart. Your heart doesn't have the ego, so it can't bullshit yourself. So like trusting your gut and trusting your heart um, are actual things. Well, then I recant my statement that I wasn't referring to <laughs> the are. specific organ that pumps blood because <laughs> it sounds like I was. You were. You were. You didn't even know that. See, bro, that's half the fun of podcasting. Just <laughs> learning new shit, new uh, perspectives. You're you here. know what I mean? You're here. That's fucking cool, man. Uh, well, there's so many different places we could go, man. Well, the one thing I want to say, you know, because you were talking, we've referenced several times that people that are wealthy are making money and, uh, an overarching theme that get, that is reoccurring when people talk about money or people talk about wealth or seeking it or having the desire for it. Our culture is very often put a lot of negative connotations on that. Like, Oh, rich people are the enemy or do money won't buy you happiness. And it's, this is what I always say when people bring those things up. It's like, man, the political elite, they're all super fucking rich. You know what I mean? Like the people that are telling us how to live and what to do and, and, and pushing all of these ideas on us, or they're not even pushing them anymore. They're mandating them. All of these people are massively fucking wealthy. All right. It's time for us, normal free thinking people to take back a large portion of that wealth and make a lot of money for ourselves because people like us, when we build our empires, we're going to use that money for love and for good and for growth. Mm -hmm. So never shy away of trying to build a business and become wealthy. Shy away from being a shitty person. Money is simply a tool. You can do good with it or you can do evil with it. But if you have a substantial amount of money and you are a person that is driven to do good, man, there's a lot of opportunity that comes with that. This has been a huge thing in my life. I, I was taught, you know, I grew up, grew up here, you know, sort of lower, lower middle class, you know, suburbia and liberal parents and rich people were evil. Rich mm-hmm. people were bad people. Like, and I remember numerous conversations talking to my folks about how, uh, if someone is extremely wealthy, it's probably because they did bad things. Yeah. You had to fuck somebody over yep. for you to have a massive amount of wealth. Right. And, and, and that, that still fucks with me, right? That still fucks with me. And I've started businesses and I have, you know, three, you know, started and sold businesses and I have, you know, three businesses now that I'm running and, and, you know, plans to build a couple of more and it's still, it still messes with me. But I love the way that you just described that is money, money can enable power. It can enable tyranny. It can enable the suppression of little people. And so, this is this is this other thing that that you know that I that I've seen come up a bunch of, of times is like Jordan Jordan Peterson's talked about it's like 
what's the best way to improve the quality of life of everyone on the planet is to make them rich. Yeah. Is to, is to make them have more resources to, to give them greater wealth because that's what actually raises quality of life. And so if the, you know, if the concentration of, you know, the, most of the wealth in this country is in like, you know, 0.5% of the people, well, what would happen if, if, the middle sort of 60% of us made way more money and opened businesses that helped people increase their fitness and, and open businesses that increased people's um, uh, ability to defend themselves and create community and eat quality food and build healthy bodies. And so I really like the way that you were talking about it. Bro, all those things that you just mentioned are the path to empowering people. And there are forces in play right now that are trying to stifle people becoming empowered because if the majority of our society feels empowered, then they hold the power. They don't, the political elite don't want to be controlled by the people. I mean, that's what this country was founded on. We're sick of the fucking king. We don't want a monarchy. We want to live for ourselves. And, you know, all these years later, it's starting to, it's worked its way back to the political elite being in charge. You can call them the president or the governor, but it's a fucking modern day monarchy where all these political elite people get to call the shots and be in charge. And man, everybody's sick of it and everybody's starting to see it for what it is. So it's interesting, man. Yeah. And and the, the hypocrisy, you know, of, you know, restricting extended mags, but living behind, you know, a gated community, you know, oh, fucking, I say it all the time, man. These motherfuckers saying like, oh, we're going to, well, the president just said, we're going to ban assault rifles, hell or high water. Bro. When I was, so I was with the department of justice and I was a deputy U S marshal for a long time. That was half of my career in law enforcement. And I don't bring this up a lot just because it's like, I'm trying to put that in the rearview mirror. Right. But as a, I was on the special response team, I did a lot of operations with that agency and a lot of protection operations. So we do PSD runs all the time for all the Supreme Court justices, all the federal judges, anytime high profile figures from the government were in town. We were in 16 man teams, armored cars. Every single one of us had an AR-15 and a Glock 22 with all the ammunition you could fucking imagine, right? So don't fucking sit here and tell me that these pieces of equipment are evil and they're dangerous because every last one of you motherfuckers is surrounded by them. And that's the truth. Right. People can say whatever they want, but that's the truth. And if you think that because someone is a federal judge, oh, you know, well, he's a high profile figure, so he should be awarded protection. Why is his protection any more important than the guy that just did the plumbing work in my gym? Right. Are his kids less important than right. the judge's kids? It's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. It's bullshit and we know it. Yeah. And, and, and they try and paint all of these, you know, anytime that they want to strip us of something, they st- want to strip us of our wealth. They want to strip us of our guns. They build this big narrative about how evil they are while they are surrounded by wealth and guns. Right. And more and more people are seeing this for what it is. Yeah. I mean, we don't have, uh, I go on rants on my podcast all the time and it's called the endless endeavor. If you want to hear those fucking wild rants, cause I'm sick of this shit, but we can keep this one more towards biohacking and, and personal excellence. <laughs> no, That's why we're here, man. But I, I, I just want to say this too. The last thing I'll say about the wealth thing is, uh, we've already mentioned him once a, a friend of mine, Andy Fursella, 
the the founder and owner of First Form Supplements, who has built an absolute empire through his marketing and his business development. And he's the first to tell you, bro, I have, I probably have the nicest collection of, of sports cars in America, right? Like not all of his wealth gets fucking spent being like, you know, like trying to help humanity and stuff. Like he's earned enough wealth to a point where he gets to serve himself too. But he talks about it very often about how building your own empire is actually the biggest step to your own personal freedom and your own personal excellence. And so, and he's doing all kinds of good shit with his money. You know, like he has fucking like thousands of employees. He told me one of his favorite, it's funny. I say he told me because we talk on the phone sometimes, but I, it starts to get convoluted. What was a conversation and what was listening to his podcast real AF, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but he says one of the most rewarding things for him is driving to work and he does a, he, he does a lap around the parking lot because at First Form headquarters, there's 500 employees on staff. And Damn. he says there's 500 cars in the parking lot that are beautiful. They're new, they're shiny, they look sharp. And he's like, man, look at all these people that through something I've created mm-hmm. are now on the path of growing their own wealth. Yeah. You know, cause they want to act oh, big businesses. They, they don't want to pay taxes and they want to steal all the money. Actually big businesses when, when ran by people with integrity and morals give more people opportunity to build their wealth and build their independence. And so it's like, he, he says all the time, he's like, I could run this fucking country on a 10% income tax. You know, uh, like, and Andy's going to be the guy uh, like check, uh, like put a fucking bookmark on this episode of your podcast, come, <laughs> come back in 2028 and see what the fuck happens. Yeah. Bro. I like that. <laughs> oh, I like that a lot. Um, we can, you mind if we pause for a little quick bathroom break? Of course, bro. Um, I, I was, dude, I'd always record episodes and yeah. then after three hours, people are like, fuck bro, I had to piss. And yeah. it's like, watch this. This is magic. See, and just like that, we're back from a little potty break. And we're back. Well, I had a potty break. You just, you're just, you're just drank sixty four ounces of liquid, pink <laughs> liquid that's dusty and, and silty in there with all your products. Yeah, there's what, what was in there. So there was an element. Yep. Which big fan. Every everybody's day. probably dialed in on what element is mm-hmm. by this point. Rob Wolf is a big jujitsu guy, so shout out to him. Uh, there was creatine from first form and then there was this mito peer from timeline that's the one that i was telling you about is a mitochondria revitalizer and it's and is it peptides yes so the peptide is called urolithin a and uh like i told you before we started recording i had a buddy that's a lot more understands this stuff a lot better than i do on a molecular level look into it and he said bro the studies on urolithin a look extremely promising and and out of everything you're taking, I'm most interested in that. Ah, so, yeah. yeah. For everybody listening, I've got a, a podcast scheduled with uh, Josh Whalen from Blokes in a couple of weeks where we're going to dive all into peptides and what they're doing over there. So, yeah, yeah that's it's it's ironic, but it's also expected at this point where yeah. like, man, the networks all get the right people. We're all getting connected Yeah, because you walked in and I had a bunch of uh, supplements on my island in my kitchen. And I was like, yeah, blokes just sent me this. And you're yeah. like, dude, I just linked up with Josh and we're, yeah. we're connecting next week or whatever. And so yeah. 
good people doing good things builds the network and uh, it's happening, man. Yeah, I mean, I've had um, I've had Sean Baker on the podcast twice. Bro, Sean's one of my jujitsu students. Yeah, I know. You know? I've, I've been seeing, seeing the posts out there. I've had Rob Wolf on the podcast three times. We actually did a trip, uh, a family trip. We were thinking about moving. I was this close to moving to Austin. Okay. And I was about that close to moving to Kalispell. Bro, I'm always that close to moving to Kalispell. Because <laughs> that's where Rob's at now. Yeah. 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 Um, he does jujitsu with Andy. So. Oh, he does? Yeah, with the SBG, the Straight Blast Gym there in Kalispell. Awesome. They have two, one in Whitefish and one in Kalispell. So if you are interested in jujitsu and you're in that area, so they're great fucking gyms. Awesome. So I want to talk about, uh, I got a couple of the questions here. Um, let's do, let's, let's, let's spin the wheel and you can pick, you can tell me which of these topics is more interesting that you want to vibe on. So one is, um, this is, this is the question. Is there a diminishing return when it comes to conspiracy research? Is everything a psyop? That's one question. Second question, uh, is fitness and aging gracefully? How? And the third is parenting. We've kind of touched on this a little bit, raising resilient, independent thinkers. Um, and then another fourth is... <laughs> I like all of those, bro. The fourth is which, uh, what does discipline have to do with spiritual growth? So let's just... let's just We can go down the line. Let's go want. down the line, okay. yeah. And again, like I know you were already over how, how long your show typically runs, so maybe we do part oh, two. Yeah. But... Uh, Man, I'll tell you this, the conspiracy theory shit, right? I do believe that there is a lot of really fucked up things happening in our society. I think there is an elitist class of people that want to basically enslave the American people and and not enslave them in like internment camps, but just financially enslave them to where we're paying our money to them and they get to do whatever the fuck they want with it. And, and again, to go back to what I said... When I was a, a, a U.S. Marshal doing protection details, man, the fucking parties those people have, the fucking the meals that are catered. I went to an event where they had John Legend on the piano, and it's just like, man, the shit you guys do with American tax dollars mm. is fucking egregious, right? But to answer your question specifically, like, I forget exactly how you phrase it, but can you go too deep with it? Well, is there a diminishing, it's two part. Is there a diminishing return when it comes to conspiracy research? And I, you notice I don't say theories because I think they're not theories anymore. Yeah. No, like this, there are conspiracies exist and is everything a psyop? So no, everything, I don't think everything is a psyop. I think there are plenty of things that are legitimately a psyop, but this is what I tell people, man, keep an open mind. Okay. Look at things with, with an open mind. Don't jump to conclusions and my go-to phrase on my podcast is stay informed, but not consumed. Mm. And that's because there's a balancing act, right? There's only so much that I can do as an individual man that's going to affect the future of this country. Now, do I need to know if the government is planning things like taking our guns or, you know, implementing these laws that are going to make it almost impossible for me to run my business? Like, there's, there's certain things that the government will do that it's going to have a direct impact on my life. I probably need to know and understand those because that's the battle space that I'm occupying, right? And that I'm, that I'm operating within. But shy of the things that directly affect me as an individual man, uh, that directly affect my family, directly affect my business, be very careful of how much energy you give to the conspiracy theories or to researching those because 
you may spend fucking your whole life reading all these books about the new world order and may have a, an intimate understanding of, of what all of these people want to do to us. But at the end of the day, how is that serving you? Yeah. Could you spend those time? Could you spend those days learning how to build your business or growing a better relationship with your children or spending more quality time with your spouse? Like it's a balancing act. I believe a lot of this stuff to be true, but I also don't invest tons of energy into it because I don't think it's going to serve me. Mm. Now, the, the reason again, that I'm comfortable because I don't give a fuck what these people do because at the end of the day, I have lots of guns. I have lots of ammunition and lots of friends that know how to shoot, move and communicate. And if they push us to that point, they're in for a lot bigger fucking fight than they realize. Mm. Our president sits on TV and says, you don't need AK 47s because we have F 15s. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> so that's what you think. So let me give you a little history lesson. Dum dum. Maybe you've heard of a couple countries, Vietnam, Afghanistan. You can't defeat ideology. I saw it firsthand. I fucking fought that war for a decade of my life. You can't defeat ideology. I know that me and my friends have a strong ideology that we're willing to die for. And that sets me free, man. I'm not worried about what the government's going to do. The worst, it, it, the worst case scenario is they take my physical body from me. Okay. You win. You won this round. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm not afraid of that fight. I'm not afraid of them trying to push to the point where they t are attempting to take my freedom because my freedom is not up for grabs. You can't take my freedom. It's I'm, I'm, I feel like a fucking modern day William Wallace. You said bro. it. You said yeah. it. You can't take my freedom. It's not on the table. Yeah. And now that I know that, all the shit that they do doesn't scare me. And so, like, again, stay informed but not consumed. You don't want to be the guy that is like an ostrich with your head in the sand that you don't have any idea what's going on around you. But I also don't want to be the guy that's on the internet 24 hours a day watching YouTube videos about the next thing. Yeah. Because the next thing is either going to come or it's not going to come. And again, if you personally have the ability to affect what the next thing is, man, then maybe invest some energy into that. If you're a fucking general with a Pentagon clearance and you hear some shit and you are the individual that has the power to affect how the next thing plays out, Man, and invest all the energy into it. And that goes for all of us because we all hold a certain amount of power to affect how things change and how, how the future comes into fruition. But just remember, invest in the things that you can affect and then everything else, you just have to have an understanding of this is probably how it's going to be and how am I going to react. And, and to your point, if you are spending four hours a week on Reddit, yeah. conspiracy theories and then that's four hours you're not sleeping or that's four hours you're not eating dinner with your family that's four hours that you're not organizing your finances or getting your business off the ground or you know uh, lifting or training bro you're you're falling into their trap right you're allowing them to keep you in this triggered state this cortisol state fixating on things that aren't serving you it's this, it, you know, like I, I saw a fucking uh, meme the other day and it said Lamborghini doesn't have advertisements on television because 
their market isn't watching TV. Right. 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 And that made me think of it because if you're always investing in things that are never going to serve you, it doesn't matter what kind of knowledge base you think that you hold. It's like, yeah, I might be broke and I'm fat and I'm out of shape and I'm in my mom's basement watching fucking 50 hours of conspiracies a week. You might have a base of knowledge that's, that is pretty impressive. I'm not going to say that you don't. But with every other aspect of your life in shambles, you bring nothing to the fight. Yeah. You bring no capability. And then you also bring no happiness to yourself. Mm. You know? You bring nothing to the fight. That is a powerful, powerful statement. You're not, you're not dangerous. You're not, uh, you're not going to lead your community in the resistance. You're not going to be able to walk four miles without a break. You're, you're, you're. Fucking yourself. Bro, I went to a freedom rally at a local place, and there's probably 200 people there. And uh, they asked me to, to speak, and I went up on that fucking stage, and I insulted everybody, right? Because <laughs> that's what I said to them verbatim. I said, listen, guys, I want everybody to understand something here. We're all here because we are freedom-driven people. We want less government intrusion in our fights or in our life, and we understand that a fight may be on the horizon, and we get together like this and you guys are all rallying and it's rah, rah and it's fuck Jay Inslee and it's pro two a, but if every man in this room can't set their beers down, cause it was this big bar that everybody's in. I said, if every man in this room can't set their beers down right now and go out on the road and hit a five miler with me, you're, you're combat ineffective. And I'm not saying that to insult anybody's intelligence or make you feel bad or fat shame you, but I've been in violent, violent encounters. I've served in war And I'm here to tell you, physical preparedness is what will win the fight. Mm. And it's not only, and this is what people think. I'm not only talking about like, oh, like putting a sword into somebody's fucking neck. Because I've had people tell me, bro, you always preach that shit, but uh, this ain't medieval times anymore. We ain't fighting with hatchets. Well, I can tell you something from fucking experience. My cat, my cat in the background wants to be on your podcast. She's on. Um, I can tell you from personal fucking experience. It's not... Only the act of, I might have to pick you up over my shoulders and run you down two flights of stairs and throw you in a medevac vehicle. Sure, that is a fucking thing that occurs in war, and that is something you have to be physically prepared for. But more importantly, a strong physical body can manage the emotions of war better than somebody that is not conditioned to it. You spike your fucking heart rate in the CrossFit gym. You do some gnarly jujitsu rounds where you're reaching like almost your fucking max threshold. War puts you at your max threshold physically and emotionally. And, 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 and people are just under this misconception that they're going to get off the couch from Netflix, never having their heart rate up at all and think you're going to go get in a fucking conflict with somebody. You have no idea what you're talking about, bro. I've been in sniper hides where I've shot men from 400 yards, no face-to-face, no understanding of who they are, no emotion. I just know they're wearing a balaclava and they have an AK-47 and the ROE says, take them out. And bro, before you pull that trigger, it feels like an elephant is standing on your chest. It is fucking like, they call it buck fever at hunting, right? Where you get this big adrenaline rush, your emotions start to fucking like get all out of whack your crosshairs start dancing around and it's you become the biggest roadblock into being combat effective because your emotions are fucking running out of control. And that's a guy that was an army ranger. Mm. 
So if you think you, because you played Call of Duty that you're going to be able to go out in the streets with your boys because you bought a vest on eBay and you have an AR-15, you're fucking wrong. And that's not me trying to be a dick. That's me trying to help people understand the truth of warfare. Well, it goes back to this point. Like, how are you going to make good decisions if you're out of shape? How are you going to be reliable in any situation? You know, uh, uh, you know, a fight on the sidewalk, you know, if you're if you've never thrown a punch or you've never been in a scuffle or your you your heart rate hasn't been up above 120 in six months like that that's a key thing i think you really kind of connected some dots there which is you start by by becoming fit yes start by you know the tim kennedy you know harder to kill yeah right? like be a motherfucker be a motherfucker start man start there then you're then you're thinking more clearly. Then you're a little bit more focused. Then you're you're kind of seeing you know the next steps in your trajectory. You're making plans. You're having sex with your wife finally. Yeah, like dude. Your, your kids are talking to you, dude. And here's the thing: I'm not saying that if you have optimal fitness that you are going to perform at the highest level, bro. You can be a fucking savage, and you can still get beat down, and warfare can fucking tear you apart physically and emotionally, but I'm just here to tell you, I'll take the fit warfighter over the fat warfighter 10 out of 10 times because I know they're going to be able to perform on a higher level. Yeah. Well, this, this, this dovetails nicely into the, the second of the four that we sort of previewed there aging gracefully. Uh, are, are we just going to be repeating ourselves if we talk about how to age gracefully? I mean, what, how, what, well, who? I mean, again, I, I like that we, we share a lot of the same mindsets. Um, when you walked into my house and you told me that you're into biohacking, I was instantly intrigued because over the last few years of my life, you know, I'm 42 now, I'm going to be 43 next fall. Um, I put myself through the ringer, you know, jumping out of airplanes, jumping out of helicopters, rucking all over the place fighting MMA, fighting jiu-jitsu. I've been doing jiu-jitsu for, um, it'll be 20, it's 20 plus years already now. I've been a black belt since 2014 and it's like, it's been a rough, arduous path, right? But the thing is like, I also want to, I don't want my body to fall apart, but I also don't want to preserve it. Yeah, I want the wheels to fucking fall off when it when it's time to cash in, right? Like, I want to look back and be like, fuck yeah, I did everything. Right into the ground. I did it all, you know? But the other side of that is, I honestly think doing everything is what allows you to preserve yourself. Um, and maybe not on every single aspect, but you have to be doing the thing. You have to be investing in your nutrition. You have to be investing in your fitness. You have to be physically active. You know, a long t for a long time, there was this misconception that inactivity was how we heal. Right. You know what I mean? O immobilize that. Right. R the rice theory, you right. know, rest, ice, compression, and elevation. It's actually, no, get out and move it. Yeah. Get blood flow to it. And so like western medicine when you talk about aging gracefully i honestly think the keys to aging gracefully is really take charge of your own health and your own nutrition the western way of taking care of ourselves is wait for me to get sick and then somebody's going to come and fix it and like my podcast slogan all my apparel is no one's coming to save you <laughs> like that's that's our whole our whole mission you're the only motherfucker that's going to save yourself. And, and a perfect example of this is I was 38 at the time. 
and I signed up for a 50 miler and I was like, I've never, <clears throat> I've never done an ultra. I want to do an ultra. I started running every day. My knee started hurting and I was like, oh fuck, this sucks. And then it started hurting worse. And then it got to the point where it was impairing running. And then it got to the point where it was impairing daily life. I could barely walk. And I was like, fuck dude. Went to the orthopedic surgeon and he said, you're getting close to bone on bone. It's time for a knee replacement. Dude, 38 years old. And I was like, fuck man, a knee replacement at 38, something feels off about this. So if you're talking to doctors, please listen to your own intuition as well. I'm not shitting on all doctors, but in my experience, a lot of them are out to, if, if they're a surgeon, their solution is surgery. Ask a barber if you need a haircut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And so I said, well, what about like, are there any, could I do PRP? Could I do stem cells? Maybe change my nutritional habits? Like what, what are options before surgery? And he goes, none of the science supports any of those as a viable treatment. Uh, you are lacking cartilage and cartilage cannot be regrown. And so I was like, I don't like this. Like you, the way that you're giving me absolutes. And if you're one of my jujitsu students, you'll know, I say all the time, there are no absolutes on the mats. I can teach you something and then you can do something that is technically wrong and it'll work. And so then I went and got stem cells and guess what? I'm fucking back, bro. hundred <laughs> percent zero knee pain. It took six months it took so long that I didn't even know that I healed. And, and it's weird that to hear huh. that going from saying I needed a knee replacement, literally I walked down those stairs behind you one morning. Cause I used to, I used to walk down the stairs backwards cause it put a different strain on the knee. Sure. And then one day I just started walking down the stairs normal. And then one day I just started running up and down the stairs and I ran downstairs to the kitchen and my wife was sitting at the kitchen table there and she goes, you see that? I said, I see what? She goes, you don't notice anything. <laughs> I was like, I don't, uh Oh, am I in trouble? Like, what are we talking about here? And she goes, remember how you used to have to navigate those stairs? And it was like, Oh fuck dude. <laughs> because if you get better one half of 1% a day and it takes six months, it's such a slow process. You didn't know it happened. Right. right? But instead of going on the fucking uh, stem cell rabbit hole, my whole point is trust yourself Take care of yourself and invest in treatments and training methodologies. I'm huge on mobility. I'm huge on flexibility. They say most adult Americans can't get up off the ground unassisted. Right. Right. Shit like that, you know? Thanks. And so it's been proven that one of the most beneficial things for longevity isn't your bench press. It isn't your fucking deadlift. It's how fucking mobile are you? What yeah. kind of dexterity does your body have? Grip strength. Grip strength. Hang. Yeah, yeah. hanging. <laughs> Do things like that that are going to ensure longevity, but also stay in the fight, you know, like make it habitual, do it often. And one thing that drives me nuts too, is a lot of people always talk about this diet or that diet. And I'm as guilty as anyone. Cause I will put myself through crazy diets but I always give this caveat too. When I'm not on a specific diet, I'm still eating nutritious foods yeah. and I'm not eating poison. You know, if I fucking see my daughters drinking, they, they hung out with their auntie not too long ago and they came home with an orange Fanta and bro, I almost like I was on the verge of losing my shit. Are you feeding my kids poison and yeah. orange color number 27 or whatever the fuck it is. Right. And so it's like, dude, the, the key 
to everything. It's not just longevity. It's not just health. It's not just intelligence. It's just consistency and discipline, man. Yeah, I want to highlight one thing that you said about, you know, going to the doctor to get to get an, opi- an opinion, right? To say like, hey, man, you're almost bone on bone. Like, doc, thanks. Thanks for that. Appreciate you being able to look at it and do the MRI or do whatever you got to do to, to make that assessment. Western medicine is is useful in that way. And then beyond that, it's based, it's on you to do the research. Yes. It's on you to find resources like this podcast, like Huberman lab, like, um, you know, Dave Asprey or Tim Ferriss or, you know, other resources that are going to give you alternative solutions to going under the knife. Yeah. Because that's, that is most of the time going to, open up the conversation. It's going to open up your perspective about what you're dealing with. You know, I just learned, you know, I don't know if you follow knees over toes guy. Of course. Right. So like, of course, bro. And I both grew up not ever putting your knees over your toes, not on the back squat, yeah, yeah. any motion. And then what, like two years ago, I'm starting to see this content where it's like, no, you should put your, you should work out with your knees bro, going over your toes. I'm in the, ma- I'm in the process of a massive gym expansion and I'm buying one of those torque fitness sleds. Awesome. Because of backward sled pulls. Yeah. Shown to make your knees extremely strong. Yeah. In the summer, I do backwards hill walks all the time, you know? Yeah. I don't have the discipline to be out in the Seattle rain all the time. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's fucking important, man. Yeah, you, and, and another thing is get a second opinion, man. Because, like, again, Sean Baker is a student at my jiu-jitsu academy. He was an orthopedic surgeon for a long time. And so I went to him and I showed him my x-rays. He goes, you got some damage. You're nowhere fucking close to surgery. He goes, what's that guy talking about? Mm. And he goes, and Greg, you know what else? He goes, I watch you roll. I watch you fight. He goes, I see your mobility. I see the range of motion in your knees. He goes, if you were to have got that surgery, you your body would be half as capable as it is now. Oh, man. Because I have very, very good mobility in my hips and my knees and my ankles. Like, I can do pistols. I can, I can, the deep squat is a rest position for me with heels on the ground because I've taken a lot of time and put a lot of energy into, as you know, like jujitsu, having good hips in jujitsu is key. Yeah. So you got some fucking orthopedic surgeon that probably doesn't even know what grappling is telling me I need a new knee. And motherfucker, you don't know that my whole bottom side game is butterfly guard. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, so so you have to understand like this person doesn't understand who I am, what I do, how my body works, where I need it to be strong. And uh, and then the other side of it is maybe, maybe I would just rather deal with a little knee pain and still be able to function how I function. At the end of the day, you have to make that decision. Don't just put all the trust into these doctors. And to, and to go back to what we said earlier, like Western medicine, don't get me wrong. I trash on Western medicine a lot because I've had some very, very bad experiences, especially with my children. But if I crash my fucking forerunner on my way to the gym tonight and my leg is amputated, I want to be flown to Harborview and I want a team of those fucking doctors there. Yeah. They are fucking... Western medicine is second to none when it comes to trauma. Right. But trauma is only one part of medicine. Holistic health and longevity and taking care of your body. Western medicine has got it so wrong that we actually make fun of Eastern medicine. Like, oh, this dude takes herbs and stares at the sun in the morning. Like, what's wrong with him? You know what I mean? Like, 
Except there's been civilizations that have been doing that since the beginning of time. Right. So, yeah. fuck, man. Well, I think everybody's wondering what happened with the Ultra. Did you go back and do it? Did you ever get it done? Fuck no, bro. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. No. I, uh, it got to the point where I couldn't walk. I was like having to hobble around. And, and bro, as I sit here and, and we're talking now, I literally think like, I'll still get that in. Start to creep in a bit. Like, I'll, I'll, I still have to check that block. Yeah. You know? But then, then you also have to be honest with yourself. And uh, the older we get, and the and the the more ailments we start to feel, you have to have you have to you have to look at yourself and understand that there's also reality. And maybe running fifty miles wouldn't be the best option for me for optimal longevity. Right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Be smart. Be reasonable. Um, two more questions, and then uh, and then a fill in the blank question. The the final final question that I always ask everybody. Um, so maybe just give us like two or three things that you do as a parent or that you do with your wife to raise resilient, independent thinkers? Well, the first thing that I always tell people is your kids are not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. They learn, and I have three daughters and they are 10, no, they are seven, 11 and 14. It's always changing. And then I have boys that they're not mine biologically, but I ha- I played a massive role in raising them that are 19 or 18 and 20 now. And so I have a lot of experience being a mentor, being a father figure or a father. And the truth is they watch you 24 seven. They see your behaviors, they see your habits and you can tell them all that you want. But the biggest powerful thing that you can give your children is living the path of personal excellence yourself and just simply letting them one, observe it, but two, walk the path with you. My girls are on the mats. My girls are in the CrossFit gym. My girls understand like, and almost maybe to a fault, like if we're at a birthday party and they eat a piece of cake, I'll be like, hey, you can have that cake because we're celebrating so-and-so's birthday, but just know that it's poison, right? And sometimes people think that's kind of weird. But fuck, man, go to any elementary school right now, and there's so many kids that are morbidly obese. I'm done. I'm done hiding and, and like pull, trying to pull the punch on that one. When I pick my daughters up and I see kids walk out to, because we're at a private school now. I, that there's also the fucking key. Pull your kids out of the public indoctrination system. And there's so many kids that are metabolically sick as fuck, dude. Yeah. And I'll point to that kid and I'll say, "You see that kid right there, guys." I'm not being mean to him, but his whole life is going to be diminished because his parents never say, don't eat the birthday cake. Don't drink the orange Fanta. Like as a leader of this family, I'm trying to set you up for success. And so even though I know you think your dad is crazy, you also don't look like that. Yeah. And that is why I try and I try and be very, very honest and, and, and give my kids reality. I don't try and pat, like I don't pull punches with them. I treat them like little adults. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the other side of that is just give them a lot of love, give them a lot of, uh, affection. And I'm hard on myself on that because I travel a lot. I'm away a lot and I feel like I'm dropping the ball sometimes. And when I'm home, I just try and make up for it. You know, ask the question again, though. There's a part of the question I know I'm not touching on raising resilient, independent thinkers. So there you and, go. And then also too, because I think this is, uh, important is what sort of resources or sort of thought frameworks, 
books or, you know, things do you, do you get inspiration from? You know, I'll tell you like in regards to raising independent thinkers, I literally have conversations with them just like we're having here. I don't want them to be indoctrinated by any ideology or by anybody's opinion. I want them to draw their own opinions. And for instance, they are in a Christian private school. A big part of what they are taught there is the Bible and Christianity and Jesus. And my daughters will be like, well, what about this? And I'll say, well, what do you think about that? Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, pastor so-and-so says that this is the way. I said, that's the way in his heart. And I'm not diminishing it. And I'm not saying it's not his truth. But there's also an entire hemisphere of people that believe in different gods and different religions. And lots of people believe in Islam. Lots of people follow Buddha. So no matter what I believe personally, I want you guys to come to your own conclusions and take in everything that you learn about Jesus Christ and everything that the Christian Bible teaches you. And if that's the one that you decide works best for your life, fuck yeah, I support it 100%. But if you come home and say, you know what, this doesn't make sense to me based on A, B, and C, and I'm going to look into Buddhism, I'm down with that too. <laughs> because for me to tell you what is right and wrong, that's a pretty egotistical thing to do. Yeah. And so I try and keep my kids rooted in reality. Uh, the other thing that I do is physical activity is mandatory. And I wish it was jujitsu for all of them, but my middle daughter isn't interested. And so she does gymnastics. And it goes, I mean, we talked about it at nauseum. Physical fitness, I believe, is the foundation of everything else being strong, resilient, and capable. And it's my job to show them that that is part of the journey of life. And so my oldest and my youngest are on the mats all the time, and my middle likes gymnastics. And I just want to encourage them to understand that maintaining their body is something that is going to serve them forever, mm-hmm. you know? Um, the other thing that I think is key is, and bro, I'm, I'm pretty new to this. Like me and my wife, I sit here and I talk about the things that I've done well. I've done a lot of things wrong too. Our marriage was in the rocks for a long time. We were on the verge of divorce for a very, very long period of our marriage. And it made me realize like, fuck man, my daughters are seeing a marriage that isn't rooted in love and happiness. And then people will say, well, stay together for the kids, Right. And I I thought long and hard about this because staying together for the kids on one hand is good because a household that has masculine energy and feminine energy is balanced. But if you stay together for the kids to the point where they are now watching toxicity, they're watching you fight, they're watching you not be happy, they're watching you not fucking get to experience love, now you're doing them a disservice on the other end of it. And so now that me and my wife have worked through our problems and we're probably in the best place we've ever been in, I want my daughters to see what love looks like. And it goes back to showing them, not telling them. And uh, I still have explosions and meltdowns and fucking like want to fucking kill everybody in the room. Like that's part of who I am. But anytime that I step out of line, I'm very quick to apologize to them and show them what ownership looks like. That's huge. And it's like, hey, I'm your dad. And I know you guys think that I'm the guy with the answers, but I fuck up too. And the way that I just spoke to you guys or the way that I just spoke to your mom it was out of line mm. and you guys shouldn't have had to hear that. And I'm just trying to figure it out as I go, as most parents are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, that's, that's a big, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. When you know, when you know you've acted out of integrity and you shine a light on that and say, Hey, I, I shouldn't have said that. I overreacted. I, I, I try to do that as, as, as often and as quickly and rapidly as I can to be accountable to it. Because if, 
if they see that, then they're going to know that they can do that too. You can, you can make mistakes, right? You can say things you don't mean. Oh yeah. And, and sometimes it's not even like me and my wife threw down and, and fuck, I don't, I don't know if I can put a number on it, but we don't fight very often. We might get in a fight every six months or something now. Right. But at the end of the day, you have two people with different thoughts, patterns, different opinions. Like we're not going to agree on everything. And we threw down pretty hard about a week ago. And it was the day before I went out of town on a trip. And, uh, man, we were, we, we were yelling at each other and our bedroom door was open and I look out and I saw my daughter in the hallway and I was like, fuck man. So on the airplane the next day, I I sent a group thread to our family, to all the girls too. And I was like, Hey, me and your mama got pretty angry at each other last night and we're adults and we fight over things, but we also love each other very much. Our family is good. Our family is strong. I don't want you to think that there are problems, but I also apologize because you guys shouldn't have to hear or see those type of things. And it's like, now your listeners are going to think that I'm some fucking like toxic environment. No, but bro, no, no. bro, you know what? I live a real life like most people do. And it's not all cupcakes and rainbows. I think, I think they should see that. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, I disagree. I, I, I mean, and I think you probably, you agree here is, is they, they have to see that because that's true. That's real. That's true. It, people get in arguments. I think that, you know, children so i have minor um uh, almost 10 and 7 and they should see arguments they should see disagreements they should see fights they should see people lose it and then figure it back out from there like because that's what happens and you're right like they they can see it they can see it start to finish and some sort of reconciliation or understanding you know and that's that's emotional maturity that's a that's a huge deal yeah so what what does what does discipline this is the this is the last one um before the before the real last one um and, and this is an this is an entire podcast dedicated to this question but it sounds like a question for Jocko <laughs> what, what what does discipline have to do with spiritual growth you know the foundation of what discipline is is doing the right thing, not the thing that you want to do. And I talk about it on my podcast all the time. If I let the voice in my head take charge of me, I would look like Chris Farley. Pepperoni, <laughs> pepperoni pizza is my favorite food on planet Earth. I love all the bullshit series on Netflix as much as the next guy. And there's been times when me and my wife have not got out of bed for a weekend and we've burned through fucking three seasons of Game of Thrones. I'm as guilty of that as anyone, right? But the other side of that is, is I know that when I need to exercise discipline, that that is what allows me to be free. And so I think everybody inherently, and sometimes I wonder if I have two motherfuckers in my head, right? Because I'll be like, Dude, get up and go for a run. No, fuck that. It's cold outside. Dude, get up and go for a fucking run because you didn't work out yesterday. No, and, and dude, sometimes it goes on and it's like, am I okay? Like, is this normal? <laughs> Do I have a fucking schizophrenic disorder or something? Because I literally have like arguments with myself. But more often than not, the, the, the side of me that says, do the right thing, go out there, earn it, eat good foods, get your heart rate up. That side wins. Mm. When that side wins, 100% of the time, you feel better about yourself. 100%. And that's what's so fascinating to me is that after being an athlete for literally, you know, 30 plus years, I know what's going, the outcome's going to be. If the side of me that is trying to promote laziness 
wins, I feel like dog shit. If the side of me that is promoting fucking going out there and putting in the work wins, I know I'm going to feel good. And that has happened 100% of the times that I've had this debate with myself. Yet that voice still has a seat at the table and still tries to get me to do the wrong thing. Once you realize that those two voices, one is trying to tear you down and one is trying to build you up, you understand the one that's trying to build you up is the path to like spiritual growth where you can become the best version of yourself. You can become the person that you're, you're proud of. You can become the person you look in the mirror and you say, you know what? There's still some flaws. You're not fucking perfect, but you're doing pretty damn good. Mm. And if you can look at yourself and feel that way, that's where for me personally, that's where spiritual, I don't want to say enlightenment because enlightenment feels like I've figured it all out. I'm there. I'm fucking far from there, bro. Like I go down dark rabbit holes sometimes. I'm fucking depressed sometimes. But at the end of the day, I understand that cycle. I understand that path. And I know that, hey, I feel like dog shit, but let's go turn the sauna up to 200. Let's sit in it for 30 minutes. Then we're going to sit in the ice for five. And when I get out, I'm fucking back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that allows you to hold a power because now not only... Are you learning how to exercise and uh, move forward in a disciplined manner? But it allows you to have tools to break the cycle of when you do feel like dog shit yeah. or, or when the, the weakness is winning. And, and think about it. That's really the whole, that's the whole journey of life. Yeah. You know, it is the journey. It's not the destination. It's the path, right? Yeah. You know, I, I, I've said this a bunch of times. It's like, there is no destination. There's, no, people think there's going to be, there, oh, I make this much money and I'll be set. I get this job and I'll be set. I start dating this girl and I'm fuck yeah, dude, I'm set. And it's like, I'm going to retire and I'm set. Yeah. I'm lose 30 pounds and I'm good. Once I do that, then I can date. Once I, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, it's like, no, it just, the, the life doesn't work. Bro, like as that. a jujitsu coach, one of the most common things I hear about people that are dabbling in the idea of jujitsu, well, let me get in shape first and then I'll come to the gym. And I say, motherfucker, you get in shape in the gym. Yeah. What are you, what are you talking about? You're going to get in shape first and then come to the gym. Right. Yeah. And so it, that's just more of kicking the can down the road. Yeah. And then one day I'm going to get there and then things will be good. Then I tell people, you know what the right answer is? Fucking show up tomorrow. Yeah. I don't care if something hurts. I don't care if you are out of shape, show up tomorrow, start putting the work in and now you're going to fucking come to that better version of yourself that much sooner. Yeah. I mean, fuck, bro. We're as young as we're ever going to be right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love it. Um, before I ask the the final question, which is a fill in the blank question, um, I just want to say thank you for having me to your home, for, you know, being willing to have this conversation and to go, oh, this is going to be great. Cause I'm going to chop this up into two episodes. Okay. So you did, Fuck me, yeah. did me a solid. Well, bro, I, I always say this. It's like, if I have time and I have opportunity to sit down and record a show, it almost doesn't matter who it is. I'll say yes. And then here's where it gets interesting. Almost every single time I've said yes, it's enriched my life too somehow. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't know who the fuck you were. Yeah. I don't know some weirdos coming over. That's like, <laughs> and, and you want to know what's funny too, is I actually have a lot of work to do today. And, uh, my wife was like, all right, when are you going to pick the truck up and, and go get all the gravel and deliver it and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh fuck, I got a podcast. And, and bro, it was when you text me last night. I was like, Oh, oh that's right. I got a fucking podcast tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> 
And so it's like, A, I already committed to it. And B, the podcast world is what I do. So right. this took precedence and now we're here doing it. And bro, I have no doubts that between our connections and the space that we occupy, that we will 100% mutually benefit each other. Absolutely. You know? Awesome. Yeah, I feel the same way. Where where can you people find more? Where can they follow you? Where would you send them on the internet? So Instagram is my only social media, really. I have a Facebook too, but I don't really do that anymore. So Instagram, Granderson, that's G-R Anderson, 33. His number's 33 because oh. he's, part, he's part of the Masonic Temple. <laughs> no, I, it's Greg Anderson, and I was 33 when I started the account, you dummies. <laughs> and, and, and again, to go down to like the conspiratory rabbit hole. Have you heard that before? Oh, bro, there's whole videos about how I'm a fucking undercover agent working for the Masonic Temple. All this crazy shit. You're controlled opposition. Yes, exactly. <sighs> and so that's actually, I should have brought that up when you asked about that because for me, that let me know. It's like, oh, these motherfuckers just make anything a conspiracy. Mm. He was never a cop. I can tell that that patrol car is a blue screen, like all kinds of shit, bro. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. So, yeah, there's that too. But no, bro, I'm, I'm happy you came up. I'm happy we fucking did this episode. And uh, Websites beyond Granderson33? Yeah. And Insta? All of my shit is through my Jiu-Jitsu Academy website, and that's just theelectricnorth.com. And my podcast stuff and my jujitsu academy is all hosted through there together. Awesome. So this is the fill in the blank question that I've asked um, hundreds and hundreds of times. And this can be based on um, whatever sort of speaks to you, whatever sort of comes up. And you can uh, elaborate as much or as little as you wish, but please fill in the blank. Everyone would benefit from knowing. Blank. Oh, well, that's fucking easy. I, we could do another, another two-hour episode on this. <laughs> I know we could. Jiu-jitsu. Fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> period. No, and I'll, I mean, I could talk about jiu-jitsu for the next two minutes or the next two hours. This is the truth. As someone that's invested 20 years into jiu-jitsu, I've seen it increase my confidence, my self-worth, my self-love, my physical fitness, my ability to defend myself, like, I had a dude break into my house, trying to break into my house. I could have shot him. I just choked him out in five seconds. And I was like, oh, shit, jiu-jitsu works. That's the first time I had used jiu-jitsu. I was a blue belt at the time. So wow. not, not very accomplished. Whoa, this shit's magic. But more importantly, what it does for you personally, man, I have 200 students at my academy. I have a huge kids program. I see kids come in there, and their demeanor is weak. They are shy. They lack confidence. They don't know who they are. And you take a 10-year-old girl that doesn't know who they are, and inside of six months, man, she's not afraid of fucking anything. And I've said it a lot of times, man. You take one of my 10-year-old girls that gives six months to jiu-jitsu, and it, completely ch it will completely change the trajectory of her life. Mm. And 10% uh, of what you take off the mats has to do with a physical altercation or a fight. Now, don't misconstrue that as jiu-jitsu doesn't work. It fucking works. Jiu-jitsu works in self-defense applications. Jiu-jitsu works in real fights. But that's a small part of why we do it. I'm 42 years old. I might never get in another fight out in the streets again, right? But I'll train jiu-jitsu every day for the rest of my life because A, it surrounds you with people that want to be better. It goes back to what we talked about earlier, right? Are the people to your left and right, are they trying to level up or are they, are they comfortable being a diminished version of themselves? Dude, if you're on the jiu-jitsu mats, you're trying to level up, 
people don't show up there that aren't trying to put in work and trying to learn something. So inevitably inside of that space, you're surrounded by good people that want to work hard, that want to fucking become better versions of themselves. It builds community. It builds tribe. It gives people a space. And bro, I'm not kidding. I run practice every night from six to seven 30. Rarely am I locking the doors before eight 15, eight 20, because everybody's sitting around talking about their day, decompressing, sharing space, sharing ideas. And I look around every night, bro. And out of all the crazy shit that I've done, that has brought me the most joy of anything I've ever done. Awesome. You fuck. Oh, you served in war and you were a police officer. All of it fails in comparison to seeing the community of people on the jujitsu mats that is, it's just, it's built in love and honesty. You know, man, you can't be full shit on the mats. No, you know, like, Oh fuck that dude kicks my ass. Hey, that guy over there, I always beat him up. Like, and then there's everything in between and people think people might think that sounds weird, but the truth is when we all have an intimate understanding of each other's capabilities, bro, it puts us at ease because there's no more posturing. Sure. The pecking order is established in an authentic manner. Right. And when it's established in an authentic manner, everybody can just go, <sighs> well, now that we know, now that that's out of the way, bro, how's your wife doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how's your, how's your new business going? When can you get 25 men in a room together and not have peacocking and posturing? Yeah. And ego, not on the jujitsu mats, bro. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's what I got for that, bro. That's perfect. I kept it under 20 minutes you on did, that answer. Yeah, I think, yeah, it was like, that was like three and a half. <laughs> He's just showed a lot of restraint right there. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, I want to say more. <laughs> well, this has been such, uh, such a pleasure. I mean, um, uh, again, to, to be able to, to pick your brain for you to, to, to say, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Why don't you, let's just use my setup at, uh, at, at my house. Um, so great to meet you. I'm, I can't wait to release this episode. And I want to encourage every single person that's listening to this, to this, this really honest, really upfront, really open conversation with Greg is to think about how some of these ideas apply to you. How do these ideas apply to apply to your life right now today? Not an idealized version of you, not down the road, but how can you use some of these ideas? How can you deploy some of this, you know, Maybe maybe today's the day where you sign up for jujitsu. Maybe today's the day where you start thinking more, even more independently about how you want to live your life. But um, this is so great! I can't uh, can't wait to do it again. Greg, thanks for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Of course, man. Thank you, brother.